This episode of Limit Break Radio is made possible by our generous Patreon donors, including Hirschfirsch of Fairy, Volkai Nalo of Belmong, Melo Targaryen of Fairy. Thank you so much for your support. If you want to support Limit Break Radio, visit patreon.com slash limitbreakradio. Coming up this week on Checkpoint Radio, eSports can change on a dime. Developers can apply a patch that changes the mechanics and fundamentals of a game, which can be so disrupting it takes a first-place team to dead last. So we're asking whether the shifting nature of video game metas are good or bad for eSports. Plus, we'll preview the CEO Fighting Game Championships. That's all coming up on your source for eSports and video game discussions, Checkpoint Radio from Westwood One. Join me, Nate, Robbie Norris, and Joe for Checkpoint Radio. Listen on demand Tuesdays at our website at CheckpointRadio.com. Are you looking for a forever companion? We're looking for forever homes. Please come down to Princess Bert Bert's Baby Animal Nursery, where dozens of baby animals need homes. Chocobo chicks will queen with delight when you hold them in your loving hands. Baby Opu Opus will lovingly hang around your neck from your shoulder. Let the fat cat roll into your heart and melt your soul with love. These and many more tiny creatures need your love and support. So please come to Princess Bird Bird's Baby Animal Nursery and give these deserving pets a forever home. I don't get it. And Mika. Oh my god. LimitBreakRadio.com Five, four, three, two, one! Welcome to Limit Break Radio, episode 164. Man, guys, I don't know what kind of show this is going to be. I hope you're ready to talk about Stormblood storyline because that is the topic of discussion today. Joining me, of course, is Kahlo Landis. What up? Nika Kayanian. Hello. And making the show sound significantly worse from the bowels of I don't even know what juxtaposition. Rah, you are being accosted by a Drew. What is? Oh my God, you sound so terrible. So we're not going to try to hear from Juxta as much today. Anyway, uh, glad to have you guys along. Twitch.tv/slash Limit Break Radio, and we want to hear from you. Limit Break Radio on Skype eight one zero five one five eight seven one five. LimitBreakRadio.com slash discord is how you can call in and we want to hear what you thought of the Stormblood storyline since Yoshi P has now confirmed that it is pretty much over right concluded yeah we're going to be switching focus uh, to something else now Um, I I would say yeah Garlemald it seems like uh, where we're going to next so 
Um, but I, I don't know. Like, I don't know how to feel about that because I feel like we've now had, uh, you know, two years. What two years with this expansion? A year with Jesus, this expansion? Really? Two years since the announcement because the announcement happened at Fan Fest and they oh do every God. other year, right? So it's been about a year with the expansion, and I just, I, I, I feel like the story was so underwhelming. Yeah, well, you know, when- it's good moments, but I feel like overall, Hail He's not the worst host. <laughs> um, no, I think that's, not a host at yeah, all. He's, he's not. He doesn't qualify as a host. So, well, that statement is still true. Then, anyway, so uh, we're going to be talking about the Stormblood storyline. We'd love to hear from you again. Limit Break Radio on Skype eight one zero five one five eight seven one five. Let's kick it on over to our Aorzian Studios, where you can join us live. Uh, that's in the Goblet Fifth Ward plot number thirty. If you are still one of those that is subscribed to this game, I keep hearing over and over and over again from people who are like, "Yeah, dude, my sub lapsed back in four I just couldn't do it." I've heard that now like four or five times this week, and it makes me sad. It bums me out because I I, I think that Stormblood had some potential. There was definitely, uh, you know. Uh, the, the setting had me a little bit disinterested uh, right out of the gate, but they could have done some real uh, much more interesting stuff than they did with it. And I don't know. I think I just left disappointed by the whole thing. Well, and I think a lot of people probably expect us to bag on it pretty hard today. But one of the things that, that I'm going to personally try to do is sort of a devil's advocate is talk about just that the potential that it had, because even looking back on it now, there's a lot of things they could have done very well, but their execution just fell flat totally agree um so uh we want to of course again hear from you limit break radio on skype 810-515-8715 limitbreakradio.com slash discord before we get into uh the rest of the show first of all you'll notice that uh, the show sounds a bit different today um and the reason for that is is because uh comcast has been having nationwide outages i had one hit me at about 10 o'clock this morning and on the hottest day of the year it seemed like uh, a lot to to ask people to go all the way all out of their way to come to to my place to do a show if there was like if there was like a 50 50 shot at there being internet so to uh, you know to 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 kind of avoid all of that situation we decided that uh, we better play it safe and you know if if i didn't have internet and everyone came here, we definitely wouldn't be able to put a show up on Twitch. But if everyone stayed home and we did a show, it was like 50-50 whether I'd be here. But definitely still be able to do it on Twitch. So that's why we decided to do that today with the show. Um, Also, it is extraordinarily hot today. So, like, I think it was predicted like 104 it was supposed to get to the high today. Um, I don't know that it did. Last time I checked my phone, it was like 93 degrees out. But still, that's definitely warm enough to uh, not want to cram three people into a small studio. Well, I mean, it's more like with, with, four or five people because Justin's is so fat. Dang it. <laughs> it's just too obvious. Try to, like, pick up your game a little bit. I'm a uh, grew now. Rawr, stomach garbage. Rawr. Delivering our best. Every day. Thank, thanks, Comcast Cares. 
It's been like 100 degrees here every day where I am, though. It's 97 right now, apparently. I mean, the, the, it's, and it's bad. I, I mean, I understand that that makes it difficult for, you know, uh, electronics to work outside. I mean, uh, just on Friday I uh, at work, I had one of the worst remote broadcasts that I've ever been a part of it was brutal it, and and all of it had to do with the heat it, it just you know and what do you do when technology doesn't behave because of heat well you get angry yeah that's right yeah. and and frustrated and yell yeah. and throw and and break things but, at it. Nah, yeah that doesn't tend to to work <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, but this show is supported through your generous support over at patreon.com slash limit break radio. Uh, we are hard at work on the Let's Be Real podcast, and uh, we I don't have a solid date for its launch yet, um, but we are looking at uh, at our, our options. I've still got a bit of work to do on the production side, but we're getting there, folks. We are definitely getting there. Patreon.com slash limit break radio. Now, something that I did want to address because final encounter cast isn't a thing and we don't really get an opportunity to address this over on checkpoint but we've received a couple of pieces of feedback in uh, the last couple of weeks that's like we miss final encounter cast uh, you know checkpoints not really our thing we, you know just bring final encounter cast back and i just kind of wanted to explain some of the economics behind the decision that went uh, you know that went into why we went with checkpoint and not with creating more specific specifically internet based content like with final encounter cast and the the truth of the matter is is that we felt it was asking too much of our audience and too much of our fans to support five people full time, right? Like we want to make this a full time job and we want to make this. We want to be able to quit our day jobs to be able to pursue this. And we thank you for your generosity over at Patreon. And we do want to encourage you to continue to give over at Patreon. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, to cover five people's salaries full time is far too much for us to be comfortable to ask and that's something that you know corporate professional radio would be able to give us which is why we've decided to pursue checkpoint as seriously as we have and because we've pursued it as seriously as we have we're on 54 stations time yet no it's not used time yet stop interrupting me god damn it yeah this is old time um but uh that that's the reason that we decided to pursue radio so heavily and because of that we're on 54 radio stations we're on the same podcast network as opie from opie and anthony as uh chris jericho from the wwe as jim ross i mean we're making some very very serious progress in this area and you know it's because of your support that we've been able to do that and and uh, we've always felt that you know to be able to you know be able to do this full time would take hundreds of thousands of dollars and that's not fair to ask of any audience you know the margins for one person to survive doing a stream or a podcast it doesn't have to be that huge right like i can live on fairly minor margins myself but for five people for a full crew and to be able to expand and continue to do the work that we do and keep 
it as high quality as we can, we've got to be able to pay everyone. We've got to be able to, uh, you know, make sure that everyone is fairly compensated. And that's why we decided to lean into Checkpoint Radio so heavily. So I understand that there are people who only that think Checkpoint Radio is only about esports. It is not only about esports. Oh, no, no way. It is not only about esports. It is about 50-50 esports and just regular video game discussions. What you would hear on Final Encountercast, minus all of the dick jokes and swearing. Because in, in fact, the uh, the just this week we bitched and complained about Bethesda. Or, sorry, not Bethesda. Bioware. You've been burned by Kickstarter and Indiegogo. Is this going to be like that too? Meet like goal. that's and then nothing but progress reports. That's straight up an FEC like bit. Hey, we hate this company now. Let's bash on them. Exactly. You know, we, uh, you know, there's, there's different, you know, like it, we can't shut down Checkpoint Radio to be able to work on Let's Be Real. And no, it's not like Kickstarter where you're going to get constant update. But this is the same thing that happened when Final Encountercast got unlocked in the first place, where everyone's like, oh, it's taking so long. Well, it takes a while to put together something that you guys want to fucking listen to. Or else it's just going to be a piece of music and, hey, welcome to Let's Be Real. And that's not what we do here. We actually put together a more intricate product and and put real production behind it. But that takes time. So, you know, if you want to if you want to complain about it, go ahead and complain about it. But you're going to be sending it to a dead letter department because I don't really care. I don't really care if you're butt hurt that it's not coming fast enough. Okay, I get it. But we're making a ton of shit. We're still making Limit Break Radio. We're still making Checkpoint. And we appreciate the support. But if you're going to be impatient like that, especially on a donation and be a dick like that, fucking take your money. I don't want it. I want it. <laughs> you can just give it to me straight up. No, I'm 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 dead serious about that. If you're gonna whine and complain, like uh, like like people do when they you know put money down on a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo, if you're gonna be whiny and complaining like that, then fine, take your money. I don't give a shit. It's the difference between what you love to hear from us and what all those other podcasts that we juxtober end up looking and, like. And 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 for all of the people that are sad and disappointed that Final Encounter cast went away. Let this be a lesson to you about how fervently you need to support something that you love if you want to see it continue. We did that show gratis without getting paid for 50 plus episodes. So don't so don't sit here and tell me that we've not done anything for you because we did that show for free for far longer than we should have. So I don't want to fucking hear it. But we do appreciate your support over at patreon.com slash limit break radio. <laughs> With that said, we do appreciate your support. But again, if you're going to be whiny and complainy about this shit, I'm going to remind you every single time how long we did Final Encountercast without being paid. So if you liked that show, guess what? The reason that it went away, and I hate to be so brutally honest about it, the reason that it didn't, that, that, that show went away is because you personally didn't tell enough people about it it didn't get big enough and it wasn't able to support the company you don't like you don't like having to take responsibility for something not going right you don't want to take responsibility for something failing well 
Again, we did that show for free. So if you just sat back and enjoyed the content and never told anyone, hey, listen to this amazing show. Hey, this is worth your support. Then you know what? You're partially culpable in that show not being in existence anymore. Period. And if you didn't help get the Patreon back over to 1300, I hope when limit when uh, let's be real comes out that you're a little bit more active in your support of that show. So for what it's worth. Yeah. <laughs> All right. With that said, what more can I do? I love the postcards. Great. That's awesome. We appreciate the postcards. Speaking, Speaking of, of which, which Kooky one will be going out this week. So look forward to that. It's actually my favorite one from this set. Awesome. Uh, all right. So uh, with that said, again, uh, we appreciate the support over at patreon.com slash limit break radio. But and, 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 and we are open to criticism. Of course, we're always open to criticism here on the show. Uh, but if if again, if it's not coming fast enough for you, then I'm going to tell you to be patient. Got to be patient, especially because we can't do this full time, especially not on thirteen hundred dollars. I mean, that's fairly unreasonable, right? We've all, we've all still got to maintain day jobs. We've all still got to go to work in the morning. Some idiot has to support a family now. Yeah, you fucking <laughs> idiot. I'm surprised I haven't heard your stupid baby yet. That's because I'm able to put my baby that is a bald-faced lie because because we have to hear it scream all night long on Monday's D and D. Explain. Uh, she does. She goes to bed and like three hours into the thing. So you know what? You're fine. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Anyway, all right. <laughs> Nothing. His dumb baby just won't be quiet. Anyway, uh, let's check out what's going on in FF14 News. This is a limit-breaking news update. So, right on schedule, we have new items added to the cash shop. I oh, yeah. we can, uh, I suppose we can uh, uh, assume that we have our Korean and Chinese regions to thank for these. The fairy tale attire. You may now become a prince or princess for a mere... $18, which is more than a month's worth of playtime, guys. Damn! $18 for each outfit, right? It's not just... You Still! Get, yeah. that's, yeah, that's over a month's playtime! No, 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 that's what I'm saying. You don't get both for 18 right? Yeah. No, each. Yeah, and I also know that, like, there's a lot of uproar that they are gender locks. Ooh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because that like Prince outfit would look so good on so many of the female races. Why can't we? Wear I, that? I mean, I'm not. Uh, well, first of all, the reason why is because Square Enix is lazy development. Uh, the the second thing is is like, are you really surprised at this point? Surprised, no, but mad, yeah. I mean, I just, first of all, I, the fact that it's gender locked is secondary to the fact that it looks like a pile of garbage. Like, both of these outfits look shitty. The princess outfit looks okay in about half the races. The Boo, other half look no. Pregnant. No, the other half look pregnant and it's bad. <laughs> they didn't, they didn't do the circle skirt properly with like, but yeah, they didn't. Um, 
So like putting it on ephemera was really bad. She looks like she's like nine months pregnant. All right, uh, Nika, I really hate to break this to you, but femros just look bad. It's not the clothes fault. It is. Uh, this is just they, they would rock that print outfit. Let's be real. Ephemera would look seriously amazing. though. No, this is these these are bad items that are put in at a at a price point that is ridiculous even for good items. Like why why is this a thing? Yeah, that's pretty much what it comes down to. But I, like you know, like they said, these come from Korean Chinese. So what do they lose by putting them in our cash shop? Oh my God! Nothing. Still though, nothing. Because I know people that have bought them. So. Terrible. Oh. No, don't. don't. I mean, I would use the prints as like a red made glamour, but I'm not gonna pay money for that garbage. How much did you pay for the play dead emote? Eight dollars. Yeah, there's there's half of one of those. Yeah, oh. I mean that's that's like going to McDonald's once. Maybe like a half of it. I was going to say, I've been to McDonald's where you spend more than $8. Let's be real. I don't spend more than $8. You're, you're, you're also not juxta. I also don't go to McDonald's anymore. But. I, okay, I, humble brag. I, I still humble brag. Just don't go. <laughs> Look, I, I just I don't I, eat at fast food anymore, guys. I only eat at Whole Foods with non decomposed <laughs> oh, naturally no. organic grain Food, okay? Next Actually, most fast food restaurants make me sick, so I just can't eat that anymore. Good. We 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 are we done talking about both your food habits now. Can we move on. Anyway, yeah. no, but I why why would now. wait? Why would you buy this glamour for a red mage? Well, you can dye it, and it looks decent-ish when it's dyed red. But I would ever, I would never buy it. If it's just in the game normally, and if you get it through normal means. I might use it then, but there's no way I'd actually pay money for this. Not even a dollar. There you go. I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't I don't disagree with that at all. But I mean, like, even still, I, I like, even if it was in the game, I wouldn't want it. Like, that, it, this is a lot fucking, you don't want in the game, though. This thing is fucking <laughs> hideous. Look at the shoulder capes, like the half capes that are coming off the sh- What is this? Shoulder capes. That's a precursor to leg capes. Uh, yeah, right, exactly. But look at it from the back. It looks even dumber and more impractical. <laughs> like, I feel like that's that's like a defining characteristic of Final Fantasy clothing is how impractical can this be? Like, Where can we put a cape this like, time? If, we, if you actually wore this in real life, like, you know that those fucking things would just get in the way of every single thing you tried to do with your arms. Uh, excuse, except, excuse me, a Nero. They have no physics, so they just stay perfectly straight out all the time. It's impractical as fuck. And this goddamn princess dress is stupid. This is hideous and terrible, and I don't know why anyone would wear this. To be fair, that's like all dresses in real life anyway, though. I mean, that's not true. Some dresses can be really sexy. Can we uh, make like a a company purchase uh, to buy Nika this dress because she's always pregnant? (laughs) <laughs> but it's, yeah, my character wouldn't look extremely pregnant if but I it's not it, like poofy prom dresses like this are very rarely sexy yeah sometimes that's, that's they brutal. can be really pretty like mm-hmm. okay i maybe like a big cinderella see, dress like big and sparkly and blue but like this dress makes people look pregnant it is not rendered well at all uh, uh, pretty i will give you sexy i will not like i don't i don't think i could possibly but, agree but see, with Robbie sexy. said all dresses in general i said no 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 uh, dresses like that yeah like like your big poofy promy wedding sort of dresses 
the ones that have way too much to them because like, that's like the biggest thing in the room because my wedding dress had like some poof it was like a corset top with like poof at the bottom and it did not make me look pregnant i don't know what's going on with this dress even okay. di- even dyed this dress is fucking atrocious <laughs> they use all the worst dyes to show it off to like I, I like I like how on the femro it really accentuates the the football shoulders that you guys have. <laughs> like like that looks like a fucking linebacker. She looks like she's about to 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 fucking take out a QB. She is getting that bouquet no matter what. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's she's going to fight some bitches. Moving on to more relevant stuff, the next producer live letter date has been set, and we must have done something recently to get on their bad side, because wouldn't you know, it's on Monday again. Oh, (laughs) sorry, Square Enix, for whatever we did. So the topic this live letter is going to be the patch 4.4 preview part one. There will also be a special guest for the second half of the show, Monster Hunter World Executive Director Kaname Fuji... uh, Fujioka and director Yuyu Tokuda. They'll be talking about the upcoming collaboration between the two games. So how much do you think we're going to see, guys? 4.4 preview. Uh, you think Omega's final leg? You think they would do that in the part one preview? Uh, it, yeah. I not preview at all last time. But this specifically said not? it's a part one preview. Well, okay, so so w- wait a minute. No, yeah, I do think that this would be in a part one preview because it's going to be in the patch 4.4 proper, right? Mm-hmm. The part two preview will be what we get in 4.1 or 2 or 3 or whatever uh, ends yeah. up coming after that. So, right, you've still got uh, the third realm of Eureka that I'm sure ah, will be coming Pagos. in 4.4. Yep. There's um, your second part. Yeah, that's what I would imagine. No, 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 because Pagos... No. Is coming, is coming in 4.3 something. Yeah, 4.36. Right, but there's a third zone. 4.36 is what it's But saying. isn't there a third zone for Eureka? Did they not confirm that, or am I crazy? There is going to be. Okay, so there is. Okay, so the third zone for Eureka would be coming in patch 4.4x. Ah, okay, okay. So okay. then we'll obviously we'll have MSQs. Do we get we get two dungeons this time, don't we? We should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. Sh- if I mean, if it's holding to the pattern, yeah, it's it's uh, two dungeons and the next leg of the raid. All right, so so I would think then in your part one, we're gonna get uh, uh, the a look at the two dungeons, the MSQ. Uh, you know, I I could see them holding off on Omega to whatever the part two of the live letter is. They could. Uh, yeah. Did we know that this Omega was Final Fantasy six? Until, like, the trailer? I don't think it was till the trailer. Yeah, actually, now that you mention it. Hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah, so uh, I, think, I think that's probably the thing that I'm most looking forward to is, is which, uh, which Final Fantasy are they going to butcher next for Omega? Oh, it's seven. It has to. It's seven. Yeah, but, like, people are saying, though, if it's seven, do we actually get to fight Omega? Um, How would that fit? You you get three seven bosses and then Omega. Yeah, that that would make sense. Maybe, but the thing is, is that if you look at the track records with both X Death and Kefka with their two stages, Sephiroth has that. So it seems kind of weird to have that in like the third leg and then have the fourth one be Omega. Not really, because it, think back to when we did the Weeping City of Macaque. I think was the one where we we fight Diabolos, and then there's like that uh, uh, a different part of it where you fight him again after he's merged with that one, and he's like bigger and badder. 
I mean, not just not just that, yeah. not just that, but I mean, like go go back to, you know, um, I mean, even Binding Coil Bahamut, and in a lot of ways, uh, you know, that that fight against Phoenix is what people remember more so than the fight against Bahamut. Bale, you mean? No, Phoenix. Was Phoenix in the second coil or the third? The coil? third. Oh, was it? Yeah. What am I, or am I, I mean, Nika, back me up here. Am I crazy? Phoenix was in the third coil. It was yeah. two Yeah. Oh, okay. Never mind. I'm mistaken then. So, I mean, it, it, you know, I you've got to have two that are going to be big fights. Mm-hmm. And I think that, yeah, you can do Sephiroth and then follow that up with Omega. I would imagine that, that, that you would be uh, fighting Omega because... Why? Uh, like, yeah. I can't, why? Yeah. Why else would they break that pattern? Oh man, come on! That would be the biggest fail on their part. If in the Omega Raid, you don't even get to fight him, he just ends with, "All right, I guess you guys are the strongest beings in this planet. I'm gonna go find a different planet now." And bye flies bye. off to home. Oh, I really want that to happen now. Oh man, no, would that I, be? A- I would be really sad if that's what. I know it would be great. You guys are gonna be really disappointed when they take you for a, a complete turn. And we're going to go back to Final Fantasy 4. I wouldn't mind that. They don't need to. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't. But I, I, I just don't see them that. not taking the opportunity to put Sephiroth in this yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. Like, they gave us Xeth. Like, of all the villains, I feel like Sephiroth is, is definitely coming. Yeah, that's probably fair, too. It's it's Listen, this is fan service the raid. Like, if you don't go to Seven, then you're insane. Well, some people were also like, oh, well, it could be Kefka. Or not Kefka. Sephiroth, Ultimecia, and Kuja, and then Omega. What? Uh, okay, <laughs> cool fan fiction, bro. Like what? Like why? What? What? Under what fucking logic? I mean, just to fit them all in. <laughs> yeah, no, I yeah. don't. I don't see it. Uh, rush, end boss rush. There you go. Get, your- get the fuck out of here. Actually, I would be totally down for them not doing seven and then adding a an ultimate fight that was Sephiroth. Ultimate Kuja. They will never do an ultimate fight <laughs> that does not already mirror exist. Yeah. I got goddamn. I love Trodoon's thing in the chat here. Omega, I must go. My planet needs me. Rolls off screen. <laughs> it's, it's essentially that's why I wish and hope happens. Absolutely. Like yes. just just the wettest of wet farts to end the whole thing. Especially because there was a really dramatic at one point. Like if you don't do this, I will destroy your entire planet. Like sense of urgency that has now. Yeah, know. that's basically. Like, so he's like, if he like goes, okay, peace out, I'm going to be really mad. Like, he puts on a pair of shades and is like, later, losers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so some more details have been released about purchasing tickets for this year's Fan Fest. So listen very closely. As we mentioned before, you must have an active service account between the dates of January 1st, 2018 to June 22nd, 2018. Oh, damn, I can't go. Sorry, guys. No, now, I mean, no at any point during that time. Yeah, at any point during that time. If you had a 30-day free trial period, that also counts. Now, if you fall within these windows, you will receive in your email a special access code that you need to purchase your tickets. On July 3rd, SE will begin the process of sending these access codes out to any email associated with an eligible account. Screenix has also said to ensure that you receive your email, make sure that you add no reply at xmail.square-enix.com to your address book safe senders list. Also, check your spam boxes. Another important note, because 
they couldn't make this any more complicated if they tried. If you have unsubscribed from FF14 marketing related emails, you will not get this access code. So what? please sign up for their spam. <laughs> They're holding us hostage. Once I'm more, sure I get that already. Yes, once more, tickets go on sale July 10th. They are $149.99 each, and there was a limit of four per order. Ticket prices include two. Uh, two-day access to the event and a goodie bag. So, so does that include a shirt? It does not. So oh, well, well, actually, we're not sure. We, we know, know that it includes the 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 Cloud Fenris mount and some minion, and then everything else is to be determined. And no, they just told you it's a it's a bag. They yeah, well, no, 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 no. But the first fan fest had like when we got there, we got the goodie bag, and they're like, "Oh, hey, what's your shirt size?" And then they like put it in the bag. So yeah, like, yeah, you know, it did it say on the thing that. The other stuff that's going to be in the bag is still yet to be determined. It could just be a bag. Sure. It's just a bag. Maybe. But yeah, all the man, all the hoops that they're making people jump through just so that the uh, the site doesn't get crashed. You guys think they're actually able to keep the site up this time? Um, maybe. Last, I don't last know. The site was decent, wasn't it? Yeah, last year. was shit. Yeah, the first time was terrible. Last time wasn't was less the terrible. Same, same site they did last time, too. Yeah, but you realize that because of this... If people don't get an access code, whether they're eligible for it or not, like their helpline, call line, email, whatever the hell it is, their customer service is going to be fucking blown to shit over people who haven't got it or just haven't got it yet or who haven't followed the instructions correctly. Well, we've we've done our we've done our due diligence and tried to put the uh, info out there as much as we possible. Sure have. And if yep. they don't sell out, I'm sure too that they'll then do public whatever. But. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 Um, but we've we've been asked a bunch of times uh, this coming week uh, or this past week, rather, um, you know what we're doing for Fan Fest. Uh, we're just like, listen, we're just like you. We don't get special treatment from Square Enix. We've got to fight for our tickets just like everyone else. So yeah. we're going to be. Try- are we going to be trying to do an after party again? If That's what they were asking, assuming that we are able to get tickets, then. We have already started the conversations about the third LBR after party. So we're trying to work those out now. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to give anything away. But we we have an idea of what the venue we want to use is. And uh, we're just trying to get it all booked up and uh, and 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 ready to go. Um, so uh, let's let's have our fingers crossed, because uh, if everything works out, I think that this year's LBR after party could top even last year's Ooh, last year's was so good yes yes does that mean that this year scar is gonna die <laughs> let's I, not kill our interns okay well, why I do mean, we have maybe, a good replacement maybe yeah right we've been grooming his replacement so now we <laughs> we just sacrifice him in the middle of the dance floor I like it. No, uh, I, I do. I, I do think that this year's, uh, you know, assuming that everything goes according to plan, that this year's could be way bigger than last year's. And uh, I, I'm I'm super excited for it. Um, but I again, I can't say anything because it's all still very much up in the air. So, mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, last bit of news we have here today with patch four point three five only days away or perhaps downloading now. If you're a podcast listener, we've gotten a bit more of a preview for heaven on high so here's the details you need to know you must be level 61 or higher to enter 
You must have completed the MSQ Stormblood quest, Tide Goes In, Imperials Go Out, and you have to have cleared Floor 50 of Palace of the Dead. Mm. Registering to enter, all members must be in the Ruby Sea. Cross-server parties can be formed. The first 30 floors will be story-related, and the remainder up to floor 100 are considered challenge floors. You must be in a pre-made party to enter those and have uh, have accrued no KOs. Logouts, duty abandonment, those both count as KOs. So, uh, 50 floors, the 50-floor prerequisite from Palace of the Dead. Has anyone seen any complaints about this? Not yet. I'm sure there's going to be. I personally love it. If you have, if you, look, I do if, you, too. If, you if you max out your armor and your weapon, you can solo floors one to 50. No fucking problem. Oh, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, 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 I do think that that's a fairly reasonable, reasonable prerequisite. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, uh, two cats yelling, asking, is uh, that thing seriously sticking up into the sky? Yes, it is that thing in the Ruby Sea that juts way up into the sky as far as we can see. The one thing that I'm a little, uh, I mean, it, it's a, they say it's explained in the story, but the interior is all just like Asian themed, which, okay, yes, sure. It's it's the Asian uh, or, or sorry, the, the, the Far Eastern themed uh, expansion. But like one of the coolest things going through the old Palace of the Dead was like how differently everything had cha- uh, changed. Each floor was like every ten floors, every yeah, 10 and, floors. and especially the I think it was the last fifty, the last twenty that had like that really like Promivian empty sort of feel from FF eleven. Like if this is all just like a welcome to the dojo, I'm gonna be really disappointed. And, and there's no amount of story reasoning or plot hole gymnastics that could change my mind about that. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not into it, but whatever. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but that's it. That's it for the news, guys. All righty. Well, we are going to be talking all about the Stormblood storyline today here on Limit Break Radio. So we want to invite your calls. Limit Break Radio on Skype, 810-515-8715, limitbreakradio.com slash discord. Uh, we want to hear from you. What did you think of the Stormblood storyline? As I'm sure we're going to be uh, critical of it. I guess that's a diplomatic way to put it. <laughs> um, so, uh, again, with Yoshi P saying and, and basically coming out and confirming that uh, the Stormblood storyline, for all intents and purposes, has wrapped up. We thought it would be a good opportunity to talk about what was achieved in that storyline, whether it was good, whether it was not, and, you know, whether you guys even liked it or not. So um, I, I think that this is uh, an important discussion to have. We usually talk about the, uh, the, the storyline at some point, and I think now with the confirmation that Pretty much, Yotsoyu brings the Stormblood story to a close. How did we feel about it? So, yeah, the, the Yotsuyu fight was essentially for all intents and oh, purposes. Oh, by the way, spoilers. I mean, if you guys want to oh, listen. come on. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta let them know that this anyway, that that fight was essentially the represents what the Nidhogg, the final Nid- Nidhogg fight represented in Heaven's Ward. Yeah. Which proves that Yotsuyu is the mega boss of Stormblood Nazinos. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. But man, hearing that, look, look, as much fun as I did have in the Yotsuyu fight, and I thought that it was done very, very well. The X-Mode you know, one's pretty good, too. Yeah, just, just as a singular fight and what it represented, sure, it was great. It wasn't bad, yeah. 
But the fact that that was like definitively the end of Stormblood now. What? Well, Amigo has so much more Let, to do. Hang on. So let's let's talk about our expectations going into the expansion in the first place because we were there when it was first announced out at FanFest and you know you can even go back to our FanFest 2016 episode and go listen to our sentiments about it at the time. But I think that I I mean I know I had my reservations about it uh even from you know the very opening despite but, still being excited cuz no one at that that time knew or even contemplated that we could be going to the far east as well that's true too you know we knew we kind of knew it was a foregone conclusion that we would be going and pushing towards alamigo mm-hmm. um and even that opening cutscene, i think even set up the expectation that much like heaven's word focused very much on dragoon lore and uh you know the story around Estinian. Yeah. remember how hype i was that this was going to be the monk expansion exactly that that the same <laughs> oh, thing so was going to be that. done for monks here in stormblood so uh, yoshi p we thank you for this thank well, you for crushing mika's heart Oh, uh, but but I, there's so much good lore with Alamigo and yeah. the most, like, it, it, I think it's one of the most in-depth job class history lore that you can get in this game, and they completely threw it to the side. And I'm, I just there's that that is the example of the potential the storyline could have had right there. Right, and 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 I I think that was one of the big expectations that I had going into this expansion was okay, we're going to learn a lot more about. Alamigo and the Alamigo. history of Alamigo so much. and and we didn't like I you know and I've done God I've done a lot of the quests like I would say 90% of the quests at this point and I feel like I don't know that much more about Alamigo than I did um, you know just doing the Vetergelt quests back in in 2.0 now now we, we have a few people in our chat right here pointing out that the Yatsuyu fight was the end of the Dolman arc and apparently they think we're still going to get a bunch of Alamegan stuff and well I, I, I find I, your, I mean, that's, uh, your that's optimism, optimism yeah that's optimistic yes, your optimism yeah cute they now are going to finish using 4.4 and 4.5 to set up going into 5.0 so hold on to that as long as you can but mm. it's possible that more stuff in alamigo could lead to garlemald and i would feel that however the fact that 4.3 ended with alpha now being this envoy into garlemald feels like that they're gonna have this yep the intro to garlemald completely separate if it involved more like alamigo and they were doing something else in alamigo and garlemald is now like being another part of it and then we had to fight back i could see more alamigo stuff happening as we push Garlemald. i, I mean i don't I don't see that happening i kind of feel like the all the garlemald stuff the way that it's that it's going to be done is sort of like the way that we got the warriors of darkness yeah where there's not going to be a whole lot mm. of meaningful plot development in that area except for maybe you know the after scenes after we finished everything else so i do think that there is room for more alamigo type stuff but again you know doing the 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 vast majority of the quests i just didn't get a feel for the area like i did 90 percent of the rest of eorzea and i even include um uh you know corthus and and all of the heavensward areas in that i feel like i got a sense more of those areas and the lore the history and and you know uh just the the, the overall placement in the world of of that and not in either Doma or Alamigo. 
there was a, a big issue, I think, just overall with with the way that this expansion was executed. You know, early on, one of the things that I actually had hope that they could do. And then we actually, I think it was Nero, you had actually uh, suggested this in the beginning when we found out we were going to, to, to Doma, that similar to how through Heaven's Ward, we were constantly, our focus was always split on something different for each patch that that would just end up happening again, right? I was willing to, to give them the benefit of the doubt that with something like this, where we're going to two separate lands, that they might be able to use that to their advantage. But I don't know about you guys, I feel like nothing really stuck with me from either side. It kind of was just a repeat of what we went through with the warriors of darkness and all the other shit that was happening in heaven's war, where once it was done, it felt like it was pushed to the side and disconnected till we came back to it again. I, I think that that's kind of fair. Yeah. You know, um, to have meaningful plot development, I don't think that you can just get the slow drip of of plot points that come one after another. You know what I mean? Like, I think that it's got to be, um, you know, it, it, it's got to be. I don't know. Like the, the, the story structure is one of the things that really frustrates me especially with with Stormblood because you're right we were split between the two areas and I do think that that made it feel like you got to know neither area very well and and that's tough because now you know where where before uh, in Heaven's Word, you had uh, half a dozen zones to really focus in on the on the lore and the story surrounding Corthus in the surrounding areas. Even though you had you know some of the Vanu Vanu stuff in there as well, and um, you know that that felt more fleshed out and and full compared to you know now we've got even another continent and that continent even felt a little bit shallow in terms of history and lore i mean yes it was there but it just they they didn't do a good enough job connecting the player with it It, it, you know there are snippets of dialogue that might you know illuminate one or two different things but as someone who read the fucking lore book you know you would want i i think you would want these things a little bit showcased a little bit better well, and one thing that, that I will give them that I saw at least early on from, from my own point of, of, of view was war isn't something that, that happens very quickly. And we very much figured that the, the, the battle for both of these nations would take the entirety of the expansion. Having us travel back and forth between Doma and between Alamigo could have been used to help facilitate this idea that, okay, you know, we have plans set here in Alamigo. There's nothing we can do now. It's a waiting game. We go to Doma. That same thing could have happened there. So that way it it gives us a sense of time passing between the two. I got that only once when we came back from having liberated Doma. And then from there, it it all just seems as disheveled as it has since uh, uh, essentially, I think, the the, the death of Nidhogg and everything thereafter was when we started to feel this whole like, all right, uh, follow this plot thread. All right, cut it now. Follow this plot thread. Cut it now. Follow this plot thread. Yeah, I actually feel like every time I saw the advertisement for Stormblood on Facebook too, and I saw that it said, you know, take back Alamigo, fight for Alamigo, I think Domo got way more fleshed out than Alamigo did. Oh, 100%. And that's that still just bothers me so much with how much potential. Like, we didn't know much about Doma at all. Like, when Yugiri came, we knew that they were taken over by, by the Garlemald. We knew that their refugees had fled, and that was kind of it. And so, like, 
for them to advertise that this is going to be the Alamigo expansion, and then it kind of felt like we spent more time in Doma. I don't know. Something about this sits very poorly with me. Well, I agree. He- no, no, no. I totally agree on that on that Ooh. front. Oh no, no, yeah. I, I was going to agree too. But even if you look at all the areas that we went to, like we spent so much time in Kugane, that's not even Doma. Like Kugane actually counts as like a a, a separate nation doesn't yeah, they let kugane operate on its own didn't they like yeah like, like right. i feel like it, it wasn't, wasn't until control at all it wasn't until near the end of even the quote-unquote doma storyline that we did finally get to doma properly right i i and and i think that that's definitely frustrating especially yeah because nika you you hit the nail on the head i feel like they initially especially out of being at the uh, north american fan fest that they sold this very much as the Alamigo expansion. And I would hope, you know, for as much as we're kind of criticizing them not going back to Alamigo, I do hope what someone said in the chat earlier is that they are going to go back to Alamigo for the the last two legs of this expansion, and we're not going to be so focused on Garlemald because... I felt like, you know, again, when when Square Enix did this with uh, Heaven's Word, with the uh, Warriors of Darkness, that was one of the aspects of the the expansion that f- uh, fell the most flat to me. Well, especially right. because the Warriors of Darkness, I felt like had so much potential, and it, it didn't lead anywhere. Out. It did right, exactly. They they were introduced in what like three point one, and by three point four, their part of the story arc had concluded it didn't lead to anything right like it just leaded to oh how do we get the fucking eyes of nidhog to be thrown off of a bridge That's- well, and it even had such that, that that huge plot twist with urianje and when we found out we basically just forgave him right exactly so it, it, it really at the end of the day served no real purpose and that was the thing that i was hoping that they would have been able to identify and get rid of so that you know if we're wrapping most of our our story arcs up by 4.3 that 4.4 and 4.5 don't have some little filler storyline that whatever they're ramping up leads more meaningfully into 5.0 but square enix doesn't want to do that for fear of not being able to put in a jump potion and make the experience for a new player somewhat understandable. Does it also feel like to anyone else that one of the reasons, and and this might just be be me personally, that Stormblood as an expansion feels like it doesn't have much of an identity is like, like where were we supposed to call like our home hub? Because I feel like even so far as the last patch, we were still kind of going back and forth on that. That's fair. I feel like we do. We have Ralgar's Reach. We have Kugane. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we have now we're trying to build up the, the Dome, and Dome Enclave. And Enclave. Yeah. So I feel like all three of those, well, are, are supposed to be hubs, but they're so far separated and disjointed from each other that you're right. There's no real sense of like, this is home for them. Also, all the Alamigo areas to me, even though they were added with Stormblood, and this is kind of a double-edged sword here, uh, or a backhanded compliment, is the areas added with Alamigo definitely feel like they're part of the normal continent, right? So when I think of the Stormblood expansion, I really just think of Doma. Yep, same. Yeah, Yeah, mostly. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's unfortunate because, you know, I I, I think that Alamigo deserved a little bit better. better. You know what I mean? Uh, Limit Break Radio on Skype, 810-515-8715, LimitBreakRadio.com slash Discord to call in. We want to hear from you. What were your thoughts and reactions to Stormblood? Did you even play through the whole thing? Did it lose you? Where did it lose you? We want to know. Limit Break Radio on Skype, 810 8715 slash discord so getting our first bit of hands-on with Stormblood, and you know finding through interviews and throughout various means that we would be getting substantially less in terms of content than we were used to in turn in fact an entire one dungeon less per patch um you know that that also really sent up some some red flags there um and so now that we're about halfway through do you think that the way that they adjusted dungeons has impacted the way that that you play or your sentiment about the game outside of oh they're just giving us less no, because I'm I'm so bored of dungeons at this point. An extra dungeon is just more to be bored with. So honestly, like dungeons are okay; they're fun the first couple times you do them. But like, I'd rather have different content. So so moving into five does Square Enix still need to be designing dungeons, or can they just scale what they've built and just allow people to queue for what what they already have? No. You know, if they were to drop to 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 a dungeon a patch i think i'd be okay with that however they would have to have the uh uh, the expert roulette would have to encompass all of them they couldn't just do the you know right shove these other ones back but here here's the other caveat there i have to be able or you have to tangibly be able to show me that since you're cutting out one dungeon development where am i seeing that go what else are you doing instead yes no, and I think that that's fair. I, I think that that's totally fair. But I think, you know, dungeons might be quite a bit of effort, right? Like you've got to make sometimes new mobs. Uh, you've you've got to, you know, do new art assets, right? Like if, if they just scaled the dungeons that they have across levels and, you know what I mean? Like they, they scaled the rewards so that they made... Uh, you know, dungeon queuing still worth it for people. Why even make new ones? Like, why if if we're bored of dungeons and just go even now going down to one dungeon per patch? So what's the fucking point? Why not just do the fifty some odd dungeons that we have in the game and call that good enough? Well, you you, you still need something I think to put into the MSQ so the MSQ isn't just a series of cutscenes. If there was no t- type of uh gated challenge within the msq calling it a gated challenge it gives it way way more credit as i say that i'm like that that's not quite the same thing exactly so so well but the thing and i understand what you're saying i under i do understand what you're saying but they've also done these kind of like solo uh the solo duties which have been great when we're doing them. those are some honestly some of the highlight when it comes to the combat they've put in the Stormblood. So then but, why not just uh, uh, relegate those to MSQ and not even bother with dungeons? Why even bother with dungeons? Why, 
doesn't it doesn't it feel like we're losing something when you can no. only do that solo dungeon a single time and then boom that's it it's gone you never need to go back again gone. i don't think dungeons should be gone i just don't think they need to spend as much of their focus on dungeons because we've been doing dungeons since fucking the second half of 1.0 like i I, I use something different i just think that we've we have enough dungeons where you know if we if we i don't know i don't and i don't know so exactly how they would do it dungeons at the next at level 70 or 80 i mean yeah no new dungeons just no, queue into dumb. the old ones why no, why because they'd have they'd have to retool it and rescale it all for the new abilities and new um because you wouldn't just want to level sync down you <laughs> the would question is dungeons with your new shit no that would be stupid no they the would, have, they would is, have to scale what's going to take it? more work rescaling or creating new ones I mean that's a, that's a legitimate question, but I, normally I, I would have said re- rescaling is easier. But with Square Enix's track record, I don't know. You, yeah. yeah, you may you may you may have a point there. However, I I just you know Nika, based on your sentiment, and I feel it as well that dungeons are most the most quantifiably boring. Uh, uh, the content in the game, but we still do them because we recognize that we need tomes. So if it's quantifiably the most boring thing that you could do, why even bother doing it? Same thing with with the uh, you know the uh, trials. Why even bother doing trials anymore? Just call it good and move your development focus to something more nuanced and intricate and interesting, and let a variety of tasks and things build up to do across your world because you're right i i think if when i think of another expansion and i think of like oh god there's going to be more dungeons and there's probably going to be 10 more levels to do and it's just like fuck i don't want to do dungeons to level i don't want to do dungeons to fucking grind tomes i am sick of dungeons you know, you're right I like you the are leveling right dungeons though like i've leveled a lot of jobs like almost everything's at 70 and i feel like the leveling dungeons i don't mind them like the ones that you get every two levels they're all integrated as part of the storyline so it makes sense like those ones i like it's once it's the subsequent patches after the launch dungeons that i think they kind of lose sight of the dungeons you know why you like those nika because you do them like maybe once or twice per level and then you move on with your life yeah you don't you don't grind them that's true that is true and I, and I and I definitely think that you know there's there's ways that Square Enix could vary the content, but they do have to not just slowly divest resources like they have been from dungeons, but just do it all at once, do it like a band aid, do it very quick. And I and I just feel like there you know there are enough dungeons in the game where we don't we don't necessarily need more of them. Oh, okay, hold on. I, I think this is letting Square Enix off the hook, though, because yes, I don't think you're going to find a single person that disagrees that dungeons are a boring form of content, but instead of just slashing them all, why can't Square Enix find a way to improve them and make them feel more exciting or make them feel just better? We love doing the solo duties. What is it about solo duties that we love that they could Take something from that and because you can start putting them into here's including the NPCs in the dungeons too. Well, that's that's part of it. Including the NPCs is is definitely something. But I I think that it's the same thing that you just identified with the leveling dungeons. You do it once and you never see it again. That's why you remember it in rose colored glasses. If you grind, if you had to grind it four or five times every time you fucking logged on, you'd hate the shit. Mm, probably, probably okay just- so so I, I, again I, i'm just i i question why if it's boring if the majority of people think it's boring to c- keep doing dungeons why do they keep putting them in the game 
That's it. That, there's no more logic behind it than that. Because copy-paste is very easy for Square Enix, and it's very safe. I, I mean, I get it. Like, I, I understand once you have a format sticking to that format, I, I do that as well, right? Like, it's it, that... And and patterns make people comfortable for some reason, but I just don't know that this achieves the goal of making a fun and varied play environment, which is their that's that's their job. At the end of the day, that's their job. So, um, okay. So, uh, talking about expectations, we talked about coming in uh, to, to Stormblood proper as 4.0 launched. Um, let's let's actually talk about the story because the story of 4.0, even at 4.0, felt disjointed and thrown. It kept throwing us back and forth between Doma and Alamigo and and your guys's assessment was dead on uh, on accurate earlier that I felt I was getting more of Doma than I ever did of Alamigo. I was actually looking back on it now, I think in in, in going through Stormblood at launch, I was willing to go a little easy on it cuz I'm like, you know, what? it's setting up a lot of stuff for us going into this expansion with two nations. Yeah, I know, definitely. Yeah, this is definitely looking at it uh uh, uh w- without knowing where it was going to lead. Um you have both of these nations that we're going to be fighting for. There's a lot to set up. There's a lot we're going to get a chance to dive into. I think I was okay with how disjointed it seemed because then we'd have so much to be able to pick up from in 4.1, 0.2, And the fact that at the end of Stormblood proper, the quote unquote main villain that we're going to hate as much as Darth Vader was dead in both places were, were completely free. I just remember sitting here, staring at my monitors like i should have been super excited and 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 feel really cool and awesome instead i was just like really it's over already i felt it was really rushed yeah absolutely it should have taken until now at the quote-unquote end of stormblood story now we should have freed alamigo this patch should have had us freeing alamigo not stormblood proper well and and i want to go back something to Kahlo that you said just a second ago um that that i i really you know have to put into the expectations column because of the way that square enix specifically sold us this villain at fan fest and they said you're gonna re you're really gonna hate the villain that we have planned for stormblood but maybe they meant you'd see you maybe they did he was the final boss maybe they did and because i definitely as of now as of the end i i don't hate yotsuyu i don't honestly. hate either one of them yeah. and that's a big problem uh you know if this is no, supposed no, i hated yotsuyu a lot oh i didn't i didn't i i, I, I hate the hater back in like during uh 4.0 but yes that was good shit. But, but then I, what they did to her on the island with uh, Gosetsu and stuff, like, like, sure, she was still a bad person, but it helped me to to find a way to to forgive what she. Are had you fucking find. kidding me? All of the shit that she had to endure, they actually made her a super sympathetic villain. 
What are you talking about? They did, but the thing is, is that I still don't forgive her. Like she had a horrible past. You don't have to. You don't. Robbie's like, I forgave her. Like, oh fuck that. She was a bitch. She dealt with a lot, but you know what? A lot of people deal with a lot, and they don't murder countless countries. So okay, that's fine. That's fine. (laughs) That's fine. But if you want a really hateable villain, then you can't relate to them. You can't make them relatable. They have to be, you know, motivated by by something that. You can't. You fundamentally can't understand. Luca Blight from Suikoden Two. You just hate that dude. Okay. There is no other way about it. But the thing is, he also had a pretty sad past. Oh, I don't remember it. I just remember him slaughtering some <laughs> villager after making her oink like a pig in the yeah. mud. Yep, he was horrible. <laughs> but um, no, yeah, he he's a great villain. But he did he dealt with a really traumatic childhood as well, and he turned into that. But even still, there was something about him that was written in such a way that you just knew he was a batshit crazy lunatic, and that even though he had a bad past, like you see, so you I think he had a stupid amnesia arc because like even as she died, you had an option to say like, oh, Gotsuyu will Gotsetsu will miss you or whatever else, and no matter what you click, she's like. Yeah, but, you know, I don't deserve to blah, blah, blah. Like, even though she's a horrible person and she knows that and she'll always be horrible, she always still had that moment where you kind of yeah, like, she connect did. with her. And it's like, even though Luca Blight has a horrible traumatic past, he was at a point of no redemption. And we've been talking this entire expansion about how we're sick of redemption arcs. Some villains just don't need redemption arcs. Agreed. And, like, you know, so you didn't need one. And while she didn't quite get a full redemption arc she got it to a point that made it feel like she wasn't the hateable villain no but i mean like if you really wanted to make yotsuyu truly hateable then you know like she should have been pampered and loved by her family right like then it makes her motivations completely alien and difficult to understand you, you, you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, just yeah. just by going and saying, well, she had a difficult life. She had s- difficult circumstances. There are going to be people like Robbie who are going to go, oh, well, then can she really be held fully responsible for her actions? And then there are going to be people like Nika who go, nah, fuck you. You're still a bitch. But the fact that you have split the audience now into those two camps is, I think, the, the, the negative part. And if you want a truly hateable villain, you don't split the audience like that you Wait, make I, them fucking the worst person ever right and i know Tarotero like trolls us so much but he's asking why do you need to hate a villain like that well we, we don't it's it's good to have villains in all camps but the thing is, is that we've gotten sympathetic villains we've gotten villains of the redemption arcs we've gotten villains where we're in split fact, like, it, and then when square Enix comes out and says we are giving you a pure evil villain you not just hate and we don't get that like where why where is square enix missing the narrative and having a pure evil not, villain? it's not just that it's the amount of times that this game pulls the dragon ball z bullshit yeah. where they take a villain and they take an enemy and now suddenly they're your friend and i you know uh fucking uh um nero right like nero is the perfect example of this right Mm. like and that shit gets really tiresome because that is also incredibly bad and hackneyed writing and i think it can work once or twice but when you get it with every oh my god hydrus anyone i mean we weren't friends with him but still exactly teamed up exactly yeah the power of friendship like like honestly every time i hear that uh dragon sound uh song from uh from from uh the miami connection i think of final fantasy i'm like oh this is the missing soundtrack piece from final fantasy 15 right <laughs> i'm a little nervous where they're gonna go going forward to 4.4 like if this assy and headhunter guy is Gaius, 
Like, is he going to be like our new buddy buddy? Or are we going to keep him at arm's length? Because- of course. No, of course he's going to be our... That, 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 he's the new what hero. Are you, what are you talking about, Nika? Of course, no. that's our new bestest buddy. Why? You know, we, because that fucking Fredola and her fucking bullshit. And yet, Fredola actually did something to be redeemed, and she's still locked in jail. I mean, where? What's happening with her now? I don't fucking. Oh yeah, well, see, that, that was something else. Was let's not even talk about the stuff that that hasn't even been close to to resolved yet. But to stay on the friendship is magic thing for a moment. When I was doing uh, for this last patch, uh, uh, the the FF twelve. Um, raid right when we came back and the bonga had everyone like like you know oh. as hostages and stuff i made a joke about how long till we become friends and literally two seconds later we're like hey let's team up and uh save our leader that you guys have no reason to save whatsoever exactly we're do it anyway yeah and that shit that dude that shit is terrible um and and and, and again uh you know and taro taro says uh nero hates villains that had a terrible childhood no what i'm saying is is that if square enix sells us on having a hateable villain someone that we're supposed to hate with our very being and i agree he didn't and, you know what he didn't know anything s- about Zenos, though, let's be real. well that's true and, <laughs> and 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 the thing is is that he did not specify whether he was talking about Zenos or whether he was talking about I thought, I thought he did. Yeah. I don't think he did. I could have sworn he said that you will hate his name at that point. No, we knew his name. No, we, we didn't know, know Yatsuyu. Oh no, we didn't know Yatsuyu. Yep, that's right. True. But he said the villain. No, but he said the villain, and you know, like I that, he said Zenos. I don't think he was specifically referring to Zenos. But either way. On that count, when especially Square Enix is setting up that expectation, on that count, they failed miserably because they made Yotsuyu a sympathetic villain. Xenos, we don't really know enough about Xenos to say one way or the other. And and it feels like they are now building something with Xenos that might be a little bit more interesting. But if it goes into 5.0, then they shouldn't have sold that as being the 4.0 villain. Yeah, they, they should. Yeah. Exactly. They should have waited until we got through Stormblood and then yes. this expansion been like, you know, that Zenos guy, you're going to really fucking hate him now. Right. Like, I think that would have made a little bit more progressive sense. Exactly. Because yeah, but you can't have uh, a fan fest for 4.0 and saying, hey, uh, the villain in 5.0 is you're, you're really good to hate him, but uh, we're not going to say anything. <laughs> about no, 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 but they easily, they easily could have talked about how the villains are not going to be what you think this time around. They, there's other ways they could have framed it. Yes. Saying you're really going to hate Zenos, man. Yes. Like, yeah. Exactly. So One thing I do give credit for to Square Enix is I really like the twist where Fredola was actually Lisa's sister. Uh, you know, I still Stop wish it. that was a thing. <laughs> because again, that's another thing we talked about that has so much potential. Why give least the the facade of Yida if yes. Yida does not have anything to do with the plot? I like, still don't understand that. I think Fordola ended up being ending up being Lee's would have been a really cool twist, but uh, that's obviously not true since we've learned about Fordola's past. Like, like if they if they were gonna make uh, uh, Ida Lee's right, like why didn't they do that after the calamity? What what purpose did it serve to have her hidden? I mean, there was a purpose in her life for her to be hidden, but I just feel like. The fact that she then came out, like, because she didn't want people to find her. She did, because, you know, she was the daughter of the rebellions. Leader. Right. 
But then again, like disguising herself as her sister also doesn't really make sense because they're both the daughters of his leader. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Fucking you had finally figured it out. That's the most frustrating part. They were both daughters of the same fucking dude. Staying least would have probably suited her more because she was so young. She hadn't done anything. As as Yida, she was still under the same threat that she would have been as least. Except, I mean, that's true. Except that. Yida was supposed to have been what? Because so, Lisa's like, pretty academically stupid. We've accomplished that. She pretended to be part of the circle of knowing. She like had hiding. She was, you know, under the guise. I of liberated this. To be- <laughs> I saw that today and it cracked me up. <laughs> she was pretending to be. I, I, you know, I don't really know. Like the only way it makes any sense is if Yida had had something to do with anything. Thank you, thank you. And she doesn't. And I feel like we should have gotten Yida in. Stormblood proper, like the actual Yida. I, I, I fully her, agree. Fully I, I don't agree. care in what capacity. Either she was captured or she had turned to the other side. I don't fucking care. She should have been there. I think that someone just walked into a meeting one day and was like, guys, what if Yida is actually least? And they're all just like, oh, who's that? Someone was like, why? And they threw that guy out the window and then they changed <laughs> Yida into least. I swear I to mean, God, the, the only reason the only fucking reason that I can come up with is so that we had that three month argument about uh, who the lady in red was at the beginning of the Stormblood trailer. <laughs> That's it. That's the only fucking purpose that it could serve. Like but the tattoo. Exactly. That tattoo. Right? Like that's 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 it. Which that's the only thing. He was fake anyway. Jesus. But, <laughs> no, it's it's true. Like I'm just trying to figure out like least even in 1.0 was Yida with the mask on her face. So in 1.0, they had some reason for hiding her face. Right. What? There's no it way couldn't that have been original this. reason was that she's actually pretending to be her sister. And when eventually when we get to that region, we'll find out about her. There's no way. And if she, dude, if she wanted to, if she wanted to be anonymous and not be found, why would she take up the identity of the person who's most closely related to her? It, it, to me, it makes, it would have made more sense that Ida and Lise were the same person and there were no sisters and that she had taken on a fake name because she was the daughter of the that family. makes sense. <laughs> that would have made, but no, that she has logic that applied to it. His sister like um okay oh my god it drives me fucking crazy <laughs> the only thing yeah the only way that that's justifiable is that if if yida is used in some fashion down the line and like, i know that's just, true if we go into 5.0 and yida's in the empire like fuck my mind will be blown but i still don't see that it would be awesome that would be a great reveal and, though and again the only way that that's going to make more sense too is if we continually stay in alamigo now for 4.4 and 4.5 least becomes a central figure so then when like I know she's a central figure over there, but we don't do anything with her anymore. So right? We like, to, if he, we, need to, it, we need to wrap ourselves back in with Lise, move into Garlemald, and then the first thing, bam, Lise sees Yida and shit goes down. Like, that would be cool. I don't see it happening. Yeah, I don't either. But, you know. Yeah. Um, she's the concubine to the Emperor. <laughs> oh, God. That would be terrible. It would be, but, but it would be like terrible in such a way that I hope shit like that happens. But I mean, uh, well, and and if she was known in Garlemald, right? Like known in the Empire. Maybe she's even famous in the Empire. So people know that she wouldn't be in Eorzea. Then it would make sense to take up her identity in Eorzea because Eorzeans don't know. We don't get 
fucking the Garlemald times, right? Like well, we don't know what we don't know what the fuck is going on in Garlemald. We don't know what's going on with the Garleans. There's basically an iron curtain between Alum or between Eorzea uh, and and all of the denizens of it, and what's going on in Garlemald. So if she takes up the Yida um, uh, identity on the other side of that iron curtain, n- no one would know the difference. If Yida was accepted into, you know, the Garlean culture or whatever, as more than just what Neorazine was, I would have assumed that she'd probably take a new name to erase her past self as well. Yeah, I mean, see, that Dola, makes the most amount of sense. Look at Fardola. Like, she was never truly accepted, though. I mean, that's true. They, they kind of tricked her. Like, yeah. she was always an Alamegan. She always kind of was told that the Empire would supply her with everything she wanted if she just mm-hmm. kind of, like, became who she is. Um, but yeah, that's true. She never changed her name and people still scoffed at her. But then just, I wonder, like, why would Yida ever end up being accepted? Just real, you know, real quick, though, real quick, just a thought, because, it, you know, in, it, we're talking about expectations that we had going into 4.0. One of the things that I want to see in 5.0, because I don't believe that Garlemald can be a purely military culture as i want to see other parts of the culture of garlemald right like the pop culture aspect of garlemald seems really interesting to me what kind of music would they listen to is it all <laughs> is it all just weird creepy lenny riefenstahl marches or by derude Jeez. <laughs> but you're right if we if we go to garlemald as the expansion we're gonna have what five six zones and if every single one of them is just like this really strict militarized like bullshit that's gonna get older than what Stormblood's far east exactly is. yeah exactly yeah i agree yeah we want to hear from you limit break radio on skype 810-515-8715 limitbreakradio.com slash discord to call in what did you think of the Stormblood storyline what is set up in terms of your expectations for 5.0 what did you expect for 4.0 we want to hear any and all of your thoughts limit break radio on skype 810-515-8715 limitbreakradio.com slash discord all right moving into uh 4.1 what even happened here? I don't even oh, remember. All right, all right. So I, I, I went and tried to at least find like the little blurb that we were given, like on each of the promotional sites for each of these. So 4.1 was the legend returns. And it said, hmm, the liberation of Alamigo signals the end of an era of tyranny here on the cusp of a new age of freedom. Her people must decide how they will greet their future and reconcile with their past. What path lies ahead for Lise? Nothing. And her efforts to rebuild the nation? Nowhere. What choices plague Fordola within her prison cell? And to where will Raubon return now that the dream for his homeland has at last become a reality? Uh, that, that's right. We got to yeah. uh, to, to have Raubon yeah. reminisce a, a little bit. moment of, of decision-making between Ulda and Alamigo, which was an okay arc for him that was then completely that, dropped. It, yeah, well, it, it, exactly. Is it, is it kind of well? It, I, I guess it was kind of the end cap of that because he was, you know, kind of conflicted, especially back during the days of Ilbert, right? About mm-hmm. whether or not he should stay in Alamigo. Really, kind should of should I stay or should I go? Now? Spurred, spurred on by Ilbert, you know, chirping in his ear. But um, I do think that that was a a valid resolution to that whole storyline. So now that that's done, and that you know, 
we can kind of move on from that it, it we find that yeah it's it's kind of been left to lease to to sort of figure out the way that el amigo would be rebuilt and its future direction angry gamer aaron saying that 4.1 was when we fought lakshmi in the throne room was that, was that was right one? was that because i kind of did 4.1 and 4.2 sort of sort of at the same time so i'm not really sure where the divide I'm assuming was. It probably is because of that whole what plagues Fordola in her cell. Because the last time we saw Fordola is when she decided to help. We, we got her to help us because mm-hmm. she had that strong echo and then we stuck her right, right back in the cell. <laughs> this one, this 4.1 started with that. Uh, uh, who is that? The guy that has like half an echo or whatever with the white mark on his face. Bald. Yeah, yeah. He was like, hey, let's go on a treasure hunt. That was 4.1. Wasn't yeah, yeah, it? yeah. I think yes. you're right. Okay, so yeah, see, I actually, halfway through this, because uh, I think because Raubon was trying to decide what he was going to do, we also got that long series of uh, cutscenes with fucking, uh, with uh, uh, the, the little midget uh, empress. Yes, 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 the Sultana, Nanamo. right? Nanamo. That completely killed the MSQ for me. Like, like because of that, that's why I started skipping cutscenes. And it wasn't until we're in the throne room with Lakshmi that I was like, wait, what's going on? I should probably be paying attention now. I actually liked that whole like combat but again the the solo yeah, duty thing was stuff. really cool i'm still mad that Vitor got one there but it was really cool mm-hmm. yeah i mean it was but it it wasn't really what you want out of a out of a patch msq right because it didn't really what did it move it forward went somewhere i felt like it was like at least flat out was like i'm gonna get every envoy from every part of this entire region all of us are gonna band together form this allegiance alliance and it's gonna be amazing and then what did it do? Didn't really go anywhere either. Yeah, I felt like me and then like, all right, bye guys. There was a there was a lot of setup that never really got paid off. Uh, yeah, and I feel like it's because we were split between Alamigo and Doma. Yeah. Story of Square Enix's life. And I feel like if we got to focus more on Alamigo, we would have seen all of these alliances and allegiances like go grow into fruition and then maybe they wouldn't have forgotten about Vitergelt and he could have helped but like instead we were split going into Doma and I feel like that really made the story you see right there Nika had they focused more on Alamigo imagine going to set up one of those alliances this isn't something that's going to happen overnight right so as you go from patch to patch, that's one of the things you're waiting on to get word back from, from one of these lines for them to decide. Right. So each patch could have been focused on, on a making a, yes, exactly, a different part of El, El Amigo until finally, whether it's in 4.3 or 4.4, even 4.5, we finally see the culmination of all of them coming and together. We can liberate them all. instead of just wait, what, what happened to everything? Well, where, but this, uh, but, but the, 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 the root of that problem is that Square Enix uses the zones as leveling zones, right? So each mm-hmm. zone has a different range of level activities that you can do, and it's all reflected by the level of the quests that are in that zone, right? So yeah. they're trying to use the zones as the way that you progress between uh, 60 and 70, right? But... Nobody really uses them that way. And that's a huge miss opportunity there for Square Enix, because if they used the zones in a more uh, narrative fashion as like ESO, like ESO does, (laughs) 
um, then that actually makes all of the quests much more interesting and moving through that land much more interesting. It's actually a way better use, I think, of the overworld and the quests than to just go, oh, well, this zone is, you know, X through Y and this zone is Y through Z. You know what I mean? Like that, I think, is is one of the older ways that MMOs used to organize themselves. And with things like scaling and level sync, you don't and dungeons and the fact that we have fucking dungeons that that uh, serve as our main leveling technique, then why why are the zones also serving as a leveling technique? That doesn't make sense. You've got Palace of the Dead and you've got dungeons that spits out XP at you and more people do those than they do quests in the overworld or fates. So why don't we stop using the overworld as the the way that people level up and start using it in a more narrative sense? Well, well, to to add on to that, too, the fact that you can, at least with with your first character, you don't even have to worry about touching a majority of the quote unquote extra quests for leveling. Like you can just do the MSQ and maybe you do a quest here or there or a dungeon here or there. But all of that other ancillary quests that are just littered throughout the place. How many people actually end up doing them? Because when it comes to leveling like your second or your third character, Nika, what did you do with them? Probably Palace of the Dead or Dungeon. Oh, I've never ever once Palace of the Dead for leveling ever. Um, never once. So I I actually do because like 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 Juxta was saying before, the dungeons, you only have to do a couple dungeons, like two or three per level, and you're on the next level and you're on yeah. the next dungeon. So like I do dungeons and I actually do the quests. I actually still have but the thing is you level so fast is that you could skip right over the quest. I still have exactly. a handful of level 67 quests sitting around. I just did some 66 quests the other day on Bard because now I'm hitting that level with, with this. But I'm like, I'm actually scared that if I if I level too fast, I'm going to miss these quests and then waste the XP. Yeah, so... so, ju- so, so <laughs> I'm doing them because of completion's sake and I don't want to waste the XP. So like Bard and Machinists have really long queue time. So I do the quest and the downtime. But Exactly. Like, but oh. so, so I almost have them all finished. But I just feel like... It's they're not necessary. Some of the stuff that I remember doing specifically, it was in the Ruby Sea. I was trying to, as I was level <clears throat> doing the MSQ to also do some of those other ones as well. None of those quests, quote, quote unquote, stories particularly grabbed me. So they literally are just fucking fodder to help with a leveling process that nobody actually needs help leveling yeah, with. Exactly. And that, that could, that could very well be the reason that they don't have any substance to them. Square Enix knows that they're just throwing them there because, well, that's what you do. You, you put quests in the zone. But the thing is, if no one's using the quest, why not make the quests more meaningful and like not care as much about XP? Like it, it, cause like, honestly, because no one's using them. Why put your good writers on those quests if no one's going to do they're them? not just fetch quests and they actually have lower people will do them. Like, remember how many people did the Moogle quests in Heaven's Word? Everyone was doing them so much that they complained about how many there were. Like now nobody gives a shit if they, because they realize that all the quests are just throwaway. Like if they made the quest less throwaway, people would do them. Like I, and I still say that the, the quests in Asm Step, I think are the best, like in terms of 
learning about what the people are doing because there's so many different tribes and you can mm-hmm. quest all the different tribes. Like the, level, the level 66 quest I did the other day actually were, we were with this whole nother tribe that was in the cave that I've done like zero quests with and I didn't realize doing one quest opened like five more quests. I was like, what? Yeah. The fuck? We're all here. And, and that was and, a nice and, little and, surprise, right? I got to, yeah. And, that's, I have, and this is like, you know, a year after Stormblood came out because I just never did those quests because I kept leveling past level 66 so quickly that I never needed to do them. Um, and I actually was like, oh, I actually learned a little bit about this, this, tribe that's inside this cave i didn't know that they had you know chosen to just take other people's scraps because they had like this horrible history with you know killing for me and i was like wow this is like a cool bit of lore that's in the Mm -hmm. quest but i don't feel like any other region utilizes that very well i just i really like the azimstown quest and i will always talk about those but like other than that i don't feel like i've learned much and i feel like they could do a lot more with quests because i'm sitting here talking about how good those quests are why don't they do that why don't they keep doing that so that i can talk about how good the quests are in every zone i mean i thoroughly agree and and the thing is is i used to think like maybe i'm just not into doing quests but you think about it and if you've played any amount of like elder scrolls right like that's all craft you know you say you're not into quests but you said elder scrolls quests are very different elder scrolls quests are amazing and keep Mm -hmm. me engaged throughout the zone and after i've cleared all the quests in the zone i move on to to the next thing right so you know i i and and literally any elder scrolls game is pretty much exactly the same you go to a place where you haven't gone before there's a thing and you go through all of the steps that it takes you through but for some reason it doesn't like the 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 stuff that it has you do varies enough that you don't get bored you get tricked into having fun <laughs> and world of warcraft through legion was the same way for me i actually enjoyed going and completing the quest in every zone and the fact that they have an or an overarching story from zone to zone that you slowly see completed as well helps too and and actually angry gamer aaron brings up a very good point having voice acting helps too jado says uh you know who needs to read a book when you can read ff14 quest chains that is also true but isn't a requirement but isn't a requirement right yes so so don't let square enix like like you know fall back on oh well you know they're not voice acting oh it would be too expensive but i feel like this if they had to voice act every quest they would make them more meaningful because they wouldn't i don't know if they would voice acting on the stupid like hey go kill a thing and bring back three claws no i I, wouldn't need to voice act that i legitimately think that that is accurate because i think that you know when you have to write dialogue to be spoken out loud there's a lot of shit that like you know like in the in the recording process you'll say it out loud you go that doesn't sound right okay nobody talks words we won't get what happened with uh uh, the most recent um ff12 thing where it's just someone where they're just spitting word vomit we wouldn't get that but i don't think that would automatically make them more interesting i still think they would have us going and getting four no 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 no. what what i'm saying is is that the very act of writing them out and speaking them out loud and hearing it said aloud would allow someone during the process to go this is a waste of dialogue and we're paying someone to have to read it and you have to trim the fat it makes you go through and trim a lot of that fat off yeah, that's what i was trying to say that, they had to pay people yes. to voice act everything they would make better quests exactly <laughs> they exactly waste, they, we wouldn't want to waste paying someone to literally say 
yes. hey, I don't have any do- uh, Doman wolf claws. Can you go kill them and bring three back? Like, no one's gonna voice act that. It, it, it would make <laughs> them think. It would make them think in inherently differently about like, oh, the way that they write quests. I live in this world. Yes. And what you could do to help me become better in this environment I live in and make it a worthwhile quest. I swear to God, Kahlo, if you played ESO, you would. It, it's it's like something that you pick up on after a while. You're like, man, they must have really thought about every single word that they needed these people to say and they just trimmed the fat. There is no fat on that storyline. I I get that. I just don't think that by doing that it would automatically make what they're having you do more. No, it does. It does. It gives, (laughs) and and I swear to God, fuck it. Kahlo, I'm spending the $9.99 and getting you fucking ESO because, because even after, look, even after I play that though, all I'm going to think is that, wow, ESO has better writers than what Square Enix Maybe and and maybe, but I think you're going to be impressed by the, probably will. Uh, you're, what you're going to be impressed by is you're going to be like this is actually not any different from what Final Fantasy 14 or any other game sends me on a quest to do. But the 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 fucking though, the right? wraparound, yeah, the wraparound, the fact that I give a shit about the character that sent me on this quest, the fact that you know, like I kind of care more about the area that I'm in. It makes it makes you appreciate like like it doesn't feel like you just go here and collect nine whatever you actually feel like there's a purpose yeah beneath I, it. I, I i get that i get that so even even though because eso does like video games inherently can only send you on a, a, a list of so about a dozen things that yes. you can fucking do right mm-hmm. like they're it's it's pretty limited it's it's limited to go here kill a thing go here click a thing go here click a thing and bring it back or uh go here and get a different part of the quest chain that's only even four of them and i'm sure that there are more things but that's that's just a basic four things if you vary those four elements enough uh, uh, those four elements up enough and tell the player this is why you're doing it and give them an emotional attachment for doing it you'd be surprised by how it doesn't feel like busy work how yes that's why i don't understand why ff14 writers can't get that right and maybe i'm just too much of a cynic to think that if they were voice acted that would solve not all just problems. Vo- no 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 and not just voice acted written better and okay what, and yes what nika's, i agree and what nika's point was was that just the process of having to voice act all of that would make the square enix writers better writers i think it would make yes i think that it would make them think more about what yes. kind of they're making if they have to think about paying voice actors to do it. I'm yep. not necessarily saying it would make them better writers, but I think they would learn a lot from it. Dark Age but of Camelot says, uh, but ESO has like zero cutscenes. T- totally 100% accurate and not even a thing that I give a shit about. Not even a thing that I give half of a shit about. I don't need, I don't think I need cutscenes in ESO to enjoy it. Now that I think about it, there weren't very many cutscenes in any Elder Scrolls game that I've plugged over hundreds of hours into per game. And and just, I, you know, maybe it is something about the writing in Bethesda, but they've really figured out a way to make you give a shit just through a couple of pieces of character information about what the fuck you're doing in a game and that's something that multi not just ff14 if you know we're, we're picking on ff14 but multiple games fail this test multiple games don't make the task that you are tasked with interesting enough to want to see completed and that should be the central tenant of what you're doing when designing a quest 
And it just bothers me so much, too, because when I think about what Final Fantasy games in general, both online ones and offline ones, do better than other games, I always want to say it's compelling storylines. Like, gameplay can be similar, gameplay can be whatever, but I always feel like what Square Enix does, what Final Fantasy does, is a good story. And so it makes me really sad when, like, we've got a decent story through the 14 MMO, Stormblood was meh, but, like, the quests on the side, like, why do they only focus the story into the MSQ? Thank you. And I just feel like that because story is is a selling point of final fantasy they could really sell the quest and this could be like the mmo that includes all of their quests very well into their story and i feel like square enix as a company has potential to do that and i feel like they should advertise final fantasy 14 not as like the casual players mmo but like as an mmo with the best overall story and right now we're getting that from elder scrolls which is fine but i feel like final fantasy has that in its like repertoire Blood? in its bag and i feel like it's they legacy to pull that out like that's i will say um that that like square enix survey that's been going around um if you choose final fantasy as your favorite square enix franchise it puts you on a page that asks your opinion about 14 oh really it, it does and so i i uh, i i put Were my I, brutally I, I, honest i mean i did i first i said it's fun because of this is and this but this is what I'm seeing. This, you know, I was like, I hope when I'm at this year's fan fest that I will hear something, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I also listed that, you know, the Square Enix's strong point is story. I said it multiple times. And I was like, do not sacrifice story for any of these other bad things. Like, said that about FF15 too at one point in one of their extra comments. I was like, FF15 tried to do so much and it sacrificed its story. Your strong point is story. Please do well. Please do better with the story. And I like said that over and over. So I hope and, and, and the thing I, is, I like, know, the, I'm one person, but the overarching story for most of FF15. FF14 for the vast majority of it has been fine has been really well executed in fact and I even think that a lot of the quests that they had put in in 2.0 were really good right like I I have some uh, some some great fond memories of quests back in 2.0 but that at some point I don't know if it's just an overwhelmed dev team or what it is, but just at some point that they let that quality slip when it came to some of the more, you know, external quests outside of the MSQ. And even the MSQ has started to suffer as a result of it. And that's disappointing. And I mean, and that's sad too. Like, and I just hope that that's not a, a trend of Square Enix. Like, I mean, I know this isn't the 15 show, but while I do think 15's overall story is good they didn't tell it very well and i think that's what they're struggling with with stormblood story too like they had a really good story in mind for the liberation and they just didn't tell it very well yeah i agree um all right so this moves us now into 4.2 rise of a new sun thanks to the warrior of light's heroic deeds and raubon's long-awaited return alamigo continues its steady march towards recovery Yet there is no rest for the scions of the seventh dawn, for the winds of trouble are blowing from the far east, where an unexpected spark threatens to set the kindling of chaos ablaze. Can Doma survive the brewing firestorm to welcome the light of the new day? What was that spark? New day! Sorry. What spark was that from the... Uh, what, what was that? Was it this ashy, ashy guy? Was that? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. That's where we met uh, Yotsuyu's brother, right? Brother. Yeah. I don't. I literally don't remember anything about that. It might have been because skipped. I skipped over. Yeah, yeah. Because that's right. Because in four point. Because in four point three, I'm like, if I actually do this story, let's see how lost I am. I wasn't at all, by the way. Yeah, Unfortunately, but like, he, he didn't come till the end, though. And you're like, oh, some shit's gonna go down. 
And like he died so quickly too. I feel like with the way that he gave the warrior of light that like evil, I'm lying to everyone, but you know my true colors scowl as he was leaving. And then for Yotsuki, you just like stab him. Like, all right, it's over. Um, I don't know. I felt like he was going to be a much bigger villain than he was too. But Square Enix has a villain problem, I think. <laughs> they, they it's do. worse than, you know what? It's worse it's than worse Marvel's than Marvel. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Same thought there. I don't know. A Mar- last couple of Marvel villains have been fantastic. Excluding the last few. Because at least with Marvel, when it, they're not quote-unquote bad villains. Because they show up, they do what they're supposed to do, then they get the fuck out. Square Enix villains show up, you're like, what is your purpose what why are you and then looking before, at me and like then, that and, and then, then they and then they don't their purpose and before it builds to anything they're killed off or they're forgotten about and, or yeah. they don't go away they're captain <laughs> linger and they just hang yep. out forever afterwards pulling, and you're like to seymour from ff10 why are you still here but we knew seymour's purpose seymour had a reason for being there forever no 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 no. i'm sorry when i saw him on mount gagazette i was like are you fucking like <laughs> no. why are you back again and then again in sin i was just like because of course why yes of course you're here as well no no no, no. see seymour made sense because it was just the act of him showing up again that you the you as the player got <laughs> exasperated with right but it's like it's like what's the point of nero in it right now like he's our friend <laughs> we could be doing all of that with just sid we don't need nero thank and, you and, and it has sid a, little, needs a foil you know but, but he has but the thing cool. is there's some cute little banter between Sid and Nero, but again, it's like not enough that invests me in either of them. Well, maybe if they voice acted, you'd feel differently. Maybe. So, well, sometimes they are voice acted. Maybe. Oh, yeah, um, that's fair. I, I just, uh, you know, I, I, I was so underwhelmed by, you know, the way that Square Enix treats its villains and especially having that big buildup of like, you're really going to hate this villain. Like, I think I think it's made us all kind of uh, uh, over expectant on like, where's this villain that I'm supposed to hate Square Enix? Like you said it. Where is it? Who is it? Oh, It was the end of 4.2 where we saw that he was still alive, too. Right. Yes. He was in the, the after credits thing. And like, I feel like then the way that they advertise 4.3 and you get to see Zenos in that like flashback memory of, of Yotsuyu's and we still don't know what the fuck Zenos is doing. The real villain is uh, yeah. Square Enix. God. I mean, That's at, this point, <laughs> at this point, at this point, you're not. It's time, it's time the Warrior of Light just goes to the dev team's headquarters and fights them. Go yes. up to what was it, like floor 13 or something like that or whatever the hell it was. We know it exists in the game. We've been there. And Skuro actually said something that was rather insightful. I was expecting Darth level Vader's of evil, uh, Darth Vader well, levels we of evil. Promise. That's sort of w- yes, exactly. And the fact but that we don't Darth get Vader it. Vader even had a redemption, though. Well, yeah. I mean, it took. I mean, yes. Okay. It, it, took, it took Ewoks to get it done, but yeah. Even right. with his redemption, that yes, we've known he's had forever. When we see him in stuff like at the end of uh, uh, Rogue One, he oh, still yeah. has oh. that presence to him though yeah yeah so i mean even though yeah if you know yes you're right he did have a full redemption arc that is true that was the point of the original star wars trilogy that luke was able to see the good invader right but but no that's that's vader is a completely different person from anakin True, true, actually true in, in, in terms of the lore. That's actually uh, accurate. But m- the point that I was driving at was that, you know, it really took it took not just the full trilogy, but another full trilogy to really flesh out his full character. And most of Star Wars, I would say, is f- like fixated on Anakin Skywalker. 
And and that's I think that's a different thing. When Skuro says I expected Darth Vader levels of evil, we're talking about the presence and the visage that he that he claimed in A New Hope and in Empire Strikes Back because he was the biggest badass of the badasses. And if you, you know, like if you lived in a world where Return of the Jedi hadn't been made yet, like he was the most imposing and hated villain ever. You know, why didn't Zeno go to the rebel base and murder children? I mean, that's such that a good, would make me hate him. I know, especially yeah. when he, he came to our base and he slaughtered. I mean, he, he did kill soldiers and then he went to kill you and said, eh, maybe later. And he left. Right. So I, <laughs> I feel like if he had murdered that entire camp. Oh God, I would have hated him. But instead, he just—he only murdered the soldiers and just left everybody else. Right. Yep. And then, and then we could have hated him if he had actually murdered Yerstola. But instead, they just used her coma as a way to write her out of the story. Yep, she right. was fine. Uh, he had so many opportunities to also kill uh, uh, Yugiri, which I would have hated the shit out of him. But no, no, spared her a few times too. Like I just think Yerstola should have died protecting. Was it you? She was protecting. She was protecting you I, or I someone think else. So yeah. And yeah. with yeah. her shield, and it shattered, and her her ether eyes went blank, and she was just like completely blue. So we already know she has a shortened lifespan. So I feel like. It, killing her might have made sense and i just i i don't know i they could have done so especially because two xenos was like oh well i could kill you but i won't right if his act of like killing yastola and her like ether explosion took a lot out of him and made him leave and then yastola died that would have made some more sense and made us hate him but yeah no. so 4.2 was also the point where we got introduced to uh gosetsu and yotsuyu uh post collapse of the building right like yeah, we got that that was the post scene in 4.1 was the big reveal that they were still alive and then 4.2 we get to see them you know going out and buying pastries and interact with them right? i'm eating mochi ice cream yeah um that, this was the worst part of the expansion for me Anyone else? I'm like, glad I skipped it. <laughs> I also no, I agree. I also think that I don't know what it is, but Yotsu's voice actor is great at the evil bitch, but I hate the voice yes. she uses for her like stupid. Yes. They should. They should have. So bad. They, they should have just gotten a different actress. Yes, like I think when she goes back to bitch mode, she's so much better. Oh, but, hands oh down. The she performance was, was great. So happy in uh, four point three when she turned back into Yotsuyu. I was like, oh my gosh, this is why I love this character because of her. Yeah. And fucking she ruined did, her. She did not need that arc at all. Nope. No, okay. not at all. You could have just had her disappear and say that she lived through it and not even give any additional explanation. I probably would have would have been mad that you were trying to that they were trying to hand wave it away. But I mean, like, that would have been better than than doing the whole what, Yotsu? What was her like? Sue they you. Sh- Sue you. Yeah. They cut um, off the yo part. The yeah. The the because no one will ever figure that out, guys. <laughs> um. The yeah. The whole Sue you story arc. That, that, that and I thought it was really creepy the way Gosetsu treated her. Like, thank a you. And like the thing is that Gosetsu was like a really cool character when he like sacrificed himself to save everyone by like fucking holding up a building, like a whole fucking uh. castle. Like it was cool. It was noble. It was honorable. It took, it, it took a little too long, but his, I mean, but his legacy was good. And then they bring him back as this creepy daddy who was like treating her like this little child. And I just it was unnecessary. It Major was creep creepy. factor. Yeah. I, I didn't like her voice acting. It was all it just all should not have existed. 
the entire patch should have just not existed. It, it, it uh, was it was literally the worst part of FF14. Especially because like, when she came back, all she really did was like scare some people and then stab her brother. The thing is, is if they wouldn't have had to bring her brother in for her to kill him, if this whole thing was didn't happen, like there, none of it was necessary. Right. Honestly, where, where I would have liked it to to to, to end because when when we were first going through and this, kind of moves us more into patch four point three. But when we were first talking about some of the earlier cutscenes in this, uh, when you know Nikki, you were like, "Oh, if she comes back, what's even going to happen? Is she going to be good now? Is she going to go back to being evil?" Blah 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 blah. The the scene where she nearly commits suicide, like I was hoping she just would have went through with it, and yeah, that, that and was that would have really been the end scene. of it. Like, and I, instead, her I parents randomly show up. No, and thank it you. Wasn't randomly, I saw he sent them no oh, but, oh, still, oh. but still but still moment though yeah it, yeah like that that i think was, was a was, coincidence she was she was in that moment yes yes it, exactly it, it, that was so ham-fistedly done and i i hate how square enix square enix i think has now two times used uh and maybe possibly even more but two times directly used uh suicide as a potential plot point that I think ends up trivializing suicide as an act, right? Talk about the one in FF thirteen as the well. The one, yeah, the one in FF thirteen uh-huh. with uh, Saz, and then um, and then well, here know, in, as in well. Six, the less tries to commit suicide. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. I don't. I, I don't remember specifically, possible. but was at the very beginning of the world of ruin. When she's, she, let Sid die. she thinks she's the only person left alive. She oh, feels like right. everything's falling apart. Like all of her friends are dead. And she- well, hold on, I don't think we can count the old square soft because uh, Dean uses it in FF seven under the gold saucer as well. He actually goes through with it though. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's just new square Enix. But, because I feel like, but I feel like Celeste's use of it as a mechanic was good. I didn't feel like it was trivialized there. Well, yeah, the reason that Celeste was a good act was because she tries, she fails, not because of her own actions, and then the game moves on. It doesn't try to be like, oh, she's dead, let's move on to this other character, and then five hours later, she's still alive because she failed, you know? Right, 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 right. But it just, it, I don't know, like, it, it to me, it trivializes suicide or people who are struggling with it and and to me like you know if you don't show any consequence behind it then then you're really you're doing a disservice to the idea of suicide or the pain that people go through before they end up indeed committing suicide you know what i mean um that is i think a little bit frustrating but the fact that you know it didn't need to be done yeah especially it's weird because like i thought that scene was powerful at first and then once she like that whole scene with her parents then showing up turned her back into evil and she's like oh never mind right i remember how evil i was because like she was gonna commit suicide because she was not so evil but knows that she did evil things and she exactly wasn't, you know, and that made mm-hmm. sense and then as soon as she got all of her evil memories back she's like oh well this was well, it, well, well, wasn't even, this it, it wasn't even the evil memories thing she had them all back and oh that's basically true didn't feel like she was worth what people how people were treating her but then the dad comes up and right in her face was like oh maybe we should just sell her off into slavery again like in front of her yeah really really screenix is literally like and here is where we light the match everybody see i'm gonna blow the character back up again just so everyone knows that's what we're doing right here yeah that I, I mean, it just seemed like it seemed extreme for any like like who would actually do any of that 
Right, like who would say that openly in front of the? I, I don't know. It just it, uh, the whole thing was bad. I mean, but we know for sure that they've always treated her badly and spoke poorly in front of her. That's how you whittle people's confidence. Yes, yes. And like, and but, I mean, it, it was a very Cinderella story in the beginning. Like the right. way that she was like this, you know, kept home and brutalized. Look, all they had to do to make that work would have had had you know they show up, they do the little thing, they leave, and then she wants to know, oh, have they actually? changed follow them and then later on from around a corner she hears the dad being like you know we could probably just sell her again there you go it still would instead of, instead of been as good instead of but, having the dude do it in front of her face to her like that that just seems like ham-fisted is the best term for yeah it. ham-fisted but it just you know why and that part was voice acted wasn't it yeah yeah. And that still wasn't good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and also we are into 4.3. Uh, a lot of, you know, most of this happened in, in 4.3, which again, you know, uh, 4.2 really just served as a setup for 4.2. I felt like was really short and it didn't do a lot other than make me hate Yotsuyu at that point. Yeah. Like I didn't hate her because she was a good villain. Like I didn't in Stormblood. I hated yep. her because she was dumb. <laughs> yeah, because they they had turned her storyline into something that was actively creepy, like, gross, I liked and to hate weird. Her in the beginning, I thought she was mm-hmm. a good villain. I thought she was better than Zenos, and then agreed. That, and then that happened, and it was dumb. Yeah, yeah. Hey, wait didn't uh, didn't the Warrior of Light? Didn't we watch Ghostsetsu have a bathroom you saw you? I mean, he yeah, well, sort of. She kind of like she like she scrubbed right? his back when she was when he was like paralyzed and couldn't move. Were we there and present for that? I don't think so. I don't think so. But we as yeah, because when we walk in, he's all like, "Oh, oh, oh." yeah." Like we as the warrior of light don't know it, but we as the player know it. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's kind of good that you don't think we were creepily watching this happen. Maybe I don't know. Maybe that's what turns the worry of light on. I don't know. Maybe that's why. That's what his. Uh, that's what the echo actually is. Is it's a way to really just like creep on people. <laughs> Ew. So, uh, uh, Kahlo, give us a rundown for 4.3. All right. So, the arrival of Imperial envoys in the land of Doma was an unexpected, as their stated purpose, to negotiate peace. Lord Hian, eager to secure the release of his conscripted countrymen, cautiously accepts the agreement and arranges for a prisoner exchange. Yet, even as Doma is poised to welcome the breaking dawn, the shadow of the fallen Xenos enfolds all in darkness and uncertainty. All right. So, that brings us current... And, uh, and, and so here we do learn, though, that Zenos was using was using Asahi to, like, pretend to make peace. Yes. Well, we think that's Xenos. We don't really I mean, here's know for sure. Xenos, yes. Here's the one issue that I have, body. which if they're doing this and ends up being someone using his body, good on Square Enix. If it's just him, then poor writing again. But when Asahi is talking to him and questioning why you're doing this, blah, 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 blah. And then he just, oh, well, let me tell you why I'm doing this. I feel like that's totally not Xenos. He gave you a fucking order. Go that carry means, it out, you piece true. of shit. That's true. That's why another reason why it might not be him. Right. Yeah, like, it might I not be. 4.3's story was written better than 4.2's. Um, I want to give them props that I think the ending 4.3 made me interested in 4.4. 4. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely interested in the Elvon dude who took the sword and then fucked off, right? Like... If it, it, and and I don't know who that could be. I know that I said that it, that I thought it was Xenos. It kind of looked a little bit in the face, but I mean, like you know, there's an Elvon though. Even though he was an Elvon, and I think uh, interviews did confirm that that was an Elvon and not Xenos. So there goes my theory. Um, but uh, you know what? What does that? Ha- I think that specifically has something to do with Xenos. I hope it's not that 
Zenos wasn't dead. He just he left his grave, is back in Garlemald, and has sent somebody on a quest to retrieve that his That was once his again to realize the suicide. Exactly. Thank you. committed suicide, and it was a good Thank point you. in the story. He admitted that he was weaker than us, and, and that was the end of his, his journey. Now, I right. do think that was rushed, obviously, but if we're going to end Zenos' story there, that's a good ending. And I so, feel like... Uh, why? That's why I really hope that someone's possessing his body. Like we know his body's yeah. gone, right? You do go and check his grave, right? That's the right. whole thing. Yep. And, and and you realize his body is gone, so something is happening. But I don't feel like if he survived his own suicide, which it wasn't least part of the burial, like she would make sure he was fucking dead. Yes, yes. In fact, so, throughout the cutscenes, they a lot of them mentioned several times. We saw the body. We inspected the body. Like the body was dead for several days. Like they make it a point to say that. And Lise right. self says, it, and is like as much as you might like or not like Lise. Like I trust Lise from as a warrior of light's perspective. Like Lise is somebody that's not going to lie to me. I know she checked his body. Like something else is clearly happening. And I think even the fact that they have you as a quest line go and check his grave and see if he's there makes it like it's kind of leading to the fact that i think someone's using his body now if that's if that's the case if somebody's just using his body i think that's a much more interesting and compelling storyline because because who knows who the elvon guy is right uh if if xenos is sending people to go collect his swords and they're just bringing them back to garlemald that's not that interesting but if someone has taken over the body of xenos which I think has been hinted at with that one after credit oh scene God, that was like, controlling oh, it's you. Body. <laughs> it can't. There's not a giant hole in the middle of them. <laughs> he put on new clothes. You won't be able to see yeah, the, the, the hole. Know that. Um, but like that would be fucked up too if someone's using the bodies and bringing whatever. But like I think that this could be if they if someone is using. Okay, so we know we're going to Garlemald for sure, probably. And But do you think that 5.0 could also be the wrap-up of, of the Asian story? Because we know that Asians and Garlands are pretty intertwined, and we haven't heard a lot from the Asians recently. And the fact yeah. that we have, who's probably Gaius, Asian, uh, like, headhunting, and is also going to Garlemald. And then if Zenos, who is a Garlean, is controlled by an Asian, who is also working with the Emperor, who we know has connections with the Asians, Zenos being controlled by an Asian would be a good way to bring us to Garlemald to also fight the Asians. Hmm. That I mean, that would make a lot of sense because that would be the emperor's son having, you know, being controlled by Asians. You would think that the emperor probably has some agreement with Asians, wouldn't you? Like, yeah, you know absolutely. what? In fact, I am now doubling down on my theory that by the end of five point one, we team up with the Garleans because if their leadership the Asians. Yes, we basically convinced the rest of them like your leadership is under control by these like interdimensional beings. As long that want as to we bring don't team up with the darkness. emperor, I feel like we need to correct no matter what. Anyone yes. else we can team up with. Well, and, and here's the thing: if if that is uh, 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 Gaius, like he's our in with the with the Garlean or yeah, w- w- with the Garlean people to then help them overthrow their corrupted leaders. Yeah. We already have uh, an end with Garlemald with uh, the two uh, separate uh, factions, ones that want to subjugate everyone, the other ones that are like trying to like do... Yes, we, we, do, we do also know that there are some people who aren't as steadfast and to subjugate and kill everything. Yeah, but the yeah, thing is, is that the people that have like, left... Big so. neon sign saying that we're going to team up with Garlemald. But I don't... I, but I, <laughs> I mean, but I feel like the people that have left Garlemald aren't really an in back in. Like what, we have Lucia... I don't feel like she's an in and girl mode. She's an in. No, no, but someone like Gaius, who probably to them died a hero, would be. 
Well, yeah, of course. That's why I hope. I, I think. I, mean, I, I hope that's where they're going with this. I think it has potential. I don't know. I think. I think Sid is is our in, and I, and I, I don't know, think Sid counts because you really think that they're going to welcome Sid back in. Yeah, well, because not. because because of his expertise and his knowledge. Yes, he's. He's an I mean, I asset. Guess he has enough connections that if they say, if he said, "Hey, I want to talk to someone in Garlemald," they no. Would to Garlemald, he's an asset. He's more of an asset to have and work under under the emperor than he is a threat to Wait, their power. Standing with Garlemald, which, you by the way, every single Garlean or, or Garlean that we've came in contact with has shown a willing to put certain things aside in order to work with their with enemy. or and, and and or spe- more specifically sid like everyone mm-hmm. is it's it's usually sid that makes the other garleans get over their reputation. bullshit and like gisella in the chat says sid is still really liked by the garleans yes according to nero so yeah he's probably more liked than Nero. i don't where does nero stand in girl i i th- like he kind of went rogue right so i don't know if he went rogue maybe even garlemald thinks he's dead because I thought, didn't he go rogue to look for Omega in the first place? He was doing his own thing. Yeah, he, d- he definitely he wasn't under... When he was looking for Omega, he was kind of on his own. Yeah, like when he came back into into the picture, yeah, I don't think he was working under, you know, like any kind of official capacity for Garlemald. At least not that he disclosed to us. Well, we have plenty of ways in with Garlemald, then, is the yeah, point Gar- here. Garlemald are our friends. I don't know why we're trying to attack him all the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, the, in fact, the girl and citizens are not our enemy. What Square Enix is going to do, even though we have all these potential ins, they're going to come up with a completely new character to get us in. No, I think it'll I be Gaius. That's why he's here. Wouldn't surprise me. Gaius no, I do. Traitor, I do. Isn't he? If if Gaius is hunting Asians, then yeah, he. I think he would technically be a traitor. But, but nobody. But the thing is, is that there's no way Garlemald knows Gaius is alive because he's not going as Gaius anymore. Obviously, he's oh, well, disclosing his name. He's this anonymous headhunter, and I feel like if this is the case, it kind of would make the most sense that Gaius, being on the inn originally, being one of the legions. He knows that the Asians are behind it. He now knows after like, you know, dying and coming back and realizing like what the shit is going on behind the scenes. He's made a decision that the Asians need to be killed. Well, and, and if the potential storyline is that the the higher up echelon of Garlemald is corrupt and that we're trying to destroy them because they're working with the Asians, then those obviously aren't the people that we're quote unquote allying ourselves with. And if they had said, hey, Gaius is a traitor, but we convinced the people otherwise because we're hunting these Asians that have your your leadership under their control, then it wouldn't matter who was, quote unquote, branded a traitor or not. Yeah, that's probably that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It, it's it, it's tough to tell. Uh, let's see. Uh, Venico uh, asking, is uh, Hunter Gaius really? Do we know that? Yeah, it's pretty... I mean, they have not 100% confirmed it, but it's pretty... But it's like, it's not Gaius. We should all be upset that they're using the exact same character model for a new character. Well, not just the... I mean, yeah, it's like, so it's either Gaius or someone wearing Gaius's fucking threads, man. Like, it's it's, one or the the other. And his gunblade, right? Yeah, even his fucking weapon. Yeah. Yeah. It's got it. It's got it, guys. Like, we're going to hit... I don't know. You have some splaining to do. So there you go. That brings us all the way up through 4.3 and current. So where do you guys want to see it go from here? All right. Obviously, we are going to Garlemald. Yes. But we can't 
properly go there to the new expansion. So what the hell are we supposed to do for two patches well, let's, worth of MSQ? Let's take a step back. Let's look. He sent Alphanode as an envoy to Garlemald. What was his purpose in going there again? To get on the inside of Garlemald? But there was a reason. Like, Alphanod was going there to... Oh, because 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 of the news that Xenos may be alive. If there was an Asian element, he wanted to be he wanted to be there as expertise, basically. Right, but how was he going to get in? Like, what was his, like, I want to talk to the people of Garlemald He was about. going as, like, an emissary, or he was... No, he's going under the... About, is it maybe because yes. of the peace treaty? Yes, 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 okay. yes. That's what it was. All right, so dur- because of the peace treaty, he was going as an emissary of Doma. We know that they got shot down into the the burn was it what it was called or something like that okay well who shot them down was it the Asians? It, it, it was garlemald yeah it was shot yeah alphanod down yeah right probably then, probably by uh from the order of xenos because obviously he didn't actually want there to be peace he was right right it was a, it was a facade yeah so he doesn't need them to come back Right, and then uh, he ran into who we think is Gaius. Down okay, but, all right, but look, we as the players have no way of knowing they're out there, so I don't think Correct. that they're gonna send we think us Elfenor out there. Made it there, <laughs> right? So as players, they're not gonna send us out there because then they would also have to come up with a whole new zone. So if the Doma arc is done, that means that the next patch has to be centered in Alamigo. What the fuck are we gonna do in Alamigo? Uh, maybe you think we might start seeing more Darlene aggression and trying to take back Alamigo? Mm. <sighs> no, I don't. I mean, it I don't. would be interesting because I know that like they don't want there to be peace. Like Hian's like, wow, you guys recognize this as a nation already. You know, Hian was, you know, that was Doma, but like either way, Doma and Alamigo are already recognized, but they're, I don't think Garlemald recognizes them as nations. So it would be interesting to somehow, because <sighs> Because they ha- they're going to tie in Gaius and Alphanod and Xenos somehow into these next two patches, but we're not going to be in So I, I think this next patch, 4.4, I think it's going to be a slow burn piece of shit like 4.2 was, but I think it'll be more focused on Fordola. You think so? Because I think, yeah. I feel like they've just forgotten about Fordola. Well, uh, okay, well, they have, <laughs> to do, they have to do something in 4.4, and that's what they do. They go back and pick up some thread that they just dropped in the street. I think Fordola is a cool character, and I liked her. Well, get ready for them to fucking ruin her. I don't know. I, I definitely think that they could go back and and there's more stuff that they could do with Fordola. Um, I, I mean, I, we have this whole like false echo that's been planted in people. I think right. we should, you know, go back and figure out what the fuck they can do with the, Actually, I, I, you, you made me forget or you made me remember rather um, that there's that experimentation chamber that we had still exist. Yeah, that we had saved Kryl from that may have some role to play coming up but yeah i i really kind of struggle to see where they're going to be sending us next unless it is more tracking down more information about xenos in which case i do think that xenos is probably the most likely villain moving into 5.0 right since he's in garlemald i think that we're gonna have to take the fight to him so i i and and obviously they're not gonna put any new zones on us but i do think one of the new dungeons we could see in either 4.4 or 4.5 will push us more towards garlemald will it will push us more towards um territory and having to fight our way through some 
cave or section of the the continent to be able to um, open that oh. section of the map up in 5.0. Actually, you know what they could do? Uh, instead of giving us the burn as a zone, what they've done in the past is taken an entire region and been like, you know what? Here's a dungeon. Here's a dungeon, yeah. <laughs> that That's possible, but I do... i th- almost okay with that, but... I, I See, but I don't think that we're going to go the burn route. I think that our route into Garlemald is more likely going to be through Alamigo. And the reason is, is that A, the burn is boring. And B, Alphanod has no way of getting a message oh, back to us. Choice. But but I, 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 it's hilarious. But uh, Alphanod has no story way of getting a message back to us. So unless he That's Gilligan, true. we don't know he's there. Unless he Gilligan Islands his way, uh, you know, and puts some fucking coconuts together uh, to make a radio or a link shell or whatever to get word back to us that he's in trouble and in the burn. I don't have it. I don't see us having any reason to be focused that way. It's going to take some time for us to realize that. Alpha Note is is it hasn't reached Garlemald because it was unlikely that he was going to be able to get messages back to us from Garlemald anyway. So we're expecting not to hear from him for a while. So right, and we think he's going to get there and do shit and not going to be able to get back to us anyway. So we're not even looking for exactly. Him. So I don't see them sending us to the burn to be like you know a, a, a saving crew. Not only that, but then you start you, you know you you kind of you know Square Enix if they have two story tangents going on at the same time, they don't have to spend as much time with the Alpha No Gaius stuff, and they relegate that for like after credit scenes so you get that in little fits and spurts because everyone is really i I mean even i am legitimately interested in what's going on in that department but we know that that's probably going to be serving the the story and the plot line for 5.0 more so so, like the second half of 4.5 right 5b story that we get right exactly so i think it's much more likely that we are going to push towards garlemald but we're going to do it through alamigo that I would agree with you there. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, Juxta in the in the fucking. You sound like you're in a box, by the way. Like it's it's so hard to make out what the fuck you're saying. Just just to know that everything I said was uh, a very intellectually and b very witty and smart and funny. Like it sounds like you've actually taken your microphone and placed it in a, in a saltines a cracker box across the room. <laughs> a cup of water. Uh, uh well, I haven't. Okay, but maybe I'm just I making should, sure it might actually improve the quality, so I might uh, consider that. Yeah, I think we're going to have to actually like invest in a real microphone. For oh, him. man. Wasting money on him. I know. Right. Dang it. It's so fucking frustrating. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it here for uh, Limit Break Radio today. Uh, appreciate all of your calls. All none of them. The fact that no one called in. You know what that means? That means that everyone listening agrees with us 100 percent and exactly. knows that we're right. Yep. <laughs> the story sucks ass. Yep. yep. So I, we appreciate you not arguing with us. That, that's that that made today's show a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Anyway, um, so yeah, that's going to be it for Limit Break Radio this week. Appreciate having you guys along. LimitBreakRadio.com to check, a full, check out a full archive of our show. Patreon.com slash Limit Break Radio is uh, how you can help support the show and continue to see it running. It also, uh, you know, helps us out with, uh, with Checkpoint and the forthcoming Let's Be Real podcast, which is a thing. It is happening. Just, you know, like summer seems like a really bad time to to put you know like put us in a show with cameras because then the the studio dude that makes sunday so brutal but you know what we're gonna tough it out we're gonna make it happen because that's how dedicated we are to to following through on everything that we do so uh you can look forward to the let's be real show that is coming up i don't have a for sure date yet but that's going to be coming up in a couple of weeks here on uh twitch.tv slash limit break radio thanks again guys for tuning in today i want to thank all 119 of you that are here right at the end of the show appreciate having you here and again if you want to call in live you got to tune in live that's limit break radio uh on skype 810-515-8715 limitbreakradio.com slash discord and twitch.tv slash limit break radio for my crew in the box juxtaposition nika kayanian and kyle landis i'm an keep listening Break Radio is a production of LimitBreakRadio.com and Bender Media Productions. This episode was produced by Kyle Landis, Juxtaposition, Final Fantasy XIV, and Aorziar, trademarks of Square Enix. Funding for Limit Break Radio is provided by Miri Kennett, Nexian Theta, Hirsch Fersh, Tulane Vieira, and fellow Limit Break Radio listeners. To support Limit Break Radio, visit Patreon.com slash Limit Break Radio. Opening music in this episode from Daniel Lambie. Listen to Man with a Machine Gun and other great tracks at Facebook.com slash Daniel Lambie Metal Gamer. Closing music in this episode provided by Husky by the Geek. Listen to this and other great Final Fantasy XIV and video game rock covers and original music at Facebook.com slash Husky by the Geek. In-game graphics for Limit Break Radio's Twitch stream are provided by Diamond Multimedia. Check out their line of AMD graphics cards and other hardware at DiamondMM.com. Limit Break Radio and its hosts are solely responsible for its content. 